welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I am your host, Serial Sensei. We're on episode number 137. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play. Give us a look on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, as well as the Dojo Talk Podcast Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can follow me on Twitter as well as Twitch at Serial Sensei. Uh, tonight I'm joined with two additional members, as always, my co host Antaku, and we also have Joey of the Sports Sound Off. We are recording this episode currently at 1.46 a.m. Saturday night. Uh, how, how's everybody doing? I'm, I'm currently wondering if Henry Cejudo and Jessica I had a child together. <laughs> Where are we going off the bat? What do you mean, ugh? Who's that ugh for? That kid's personality is... Yeah, that, that's what I want to know. How bad does it get? Well, you know what? Maybe two negatives make a positive, and like that kid comes out and he's like, like super well spoken. He's like the non cringiest kid. <laughs> he's he's like the adult in the household, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Like I I, I just want, like he, I want I think he'd be the kid who showed up to school in like his Halloween costume like all year round, <laughs> like that kid. But I, I'm currently there. That's where I'm at right now, Sensei. Joey, how are you doing? <laughs> living, living, and uh, trying not to picture what you put in my head a second ago. Hey, hey. just trying to, you know, survive. That, that kid's head would be huge. Leave, leave. <laughs> this is abuse. This is abuse on people with big heads. I mean, I, I, I mean, have I, a big ass. Head. Yeah, I have a larger head, but I think Sahudo has me beat, like by by a pretty wide margin. I every time I'm on here, literally, almost every time I'm on here. We discussed the idea of Junior Albini and Henry Cejudo switching heads. <laughs> I, I think it's got to stop. bodies would fit. It would. <laughs> They'd be normally proportioned people. They would. But, yeah, I mean, well, Cejudo's head is massive, and Albini's got the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie head. His head is, like, head. transplanted from, like, a teenage body. It, it doesn't it's, make sense. It's like Beetlejuice at the end when the... the uh, the dude shrinks his skull down when he's sitting in purgatory. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those episodes, guys. We'll, um, be, we'll be fine. We'll survive. We'll be... Good fights, good fights to talk about. Great fights. Um, real quick to to put this episode uh, in context, if you guys didn't hear, as I mentioned, uh, we're recording this at one forty eight a.m. Uh, this is the night of UFC two thirty eight, and we're up recording, giving you guys some content. Um. Just throwing that out there in case our memories don't work. I'm pretty sure we're all tired and ready to fall over. But we're going to make it. We're going to make it through this episode. It's going to be fun. Um, Just going to guilt the fuck out of you for, <laughs> for giving us any shit. <laughs> Bastards. Um, 
I will say us recording this late did uh, change some plans of the episode. So we, we did originally want to give you guys a like an actual breakdown of uh, Ruiz and Joshua since that happened in real time while we were recording last week. But uh, listen, man, it's almost two in the morning. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, by, by this time, you, you've probably seen the fight a bunch of times anyway, so... You know, we gave you a nice live reaction to it, and that's just gonna kind of be it. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe next week we'll revisit it, but by that time, will anybody really care? Anybody? I don't know. Um, what, you but could, do, what you could do is comp it because Tyson Fury fights next week, and just compare the uh, mm. unlikely challenger uh, versus dominant champion, and see how they come out. There we go. So I will not be there for that, but you guys can do that. <laughs> Oh, 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 okay, he'll be here for Ivanov versus Ty... Uh, uh, I forgot his name already. Ty Tuivasa. <laughs> yeah, Tuivasa, but you're not here for the lineal heavyweight champion versus some random German dude? You know what, when you put it in that light, I am I am letting you down. But that's not changing my mind. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out a way to weave it into the... Maybe in the next week's episode, we'll we'll see how that goes. Is there? Even, I don't even think there's a UFC card next there week. There is not. It's just uh, it's, just that. It's Father's Day. It's like Dana Way has to go spend time with his kids. There are a lot of jokes I could make, but I don't know him personally, so I'm just not gonna go with that. Uh, well, uh, you can I, message them to me, and I'll make them. Yeah. We're, we're not doing that. We're not uh, <laughs> not gonna make fun of some of these kids. I mean, it's not the kids that making fun yeah, of. Yeah, Why not? I'm just yeah. saying. What's up? Nah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, uh, no, go ahead. We're here. Go ahead. I was willing to be Joe, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was just I don't have any morals anymore. It's one fifty. You have 10 minutes to <laughs> dig deep. Dig deep and find what's inside of you. Uh, we got to save all our energy for this card. I think, I think there's that's... a Bellator card next week, actually, right? Isn't that uh, the jail? Uh, that's on Friday, yeah. The, 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 the McDonald Gracie card. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. We might have a Gracie champion next week, guys. Oh, yeah, if we have a Gracie champion, we're definitely talking about that. <laughs> that's def- definitely. I mean, no, that, I think that card's really good, though. From what that's I really good. It's a, I think it's a solid card. Yeah. I, will not, I, will not be, uh, I will not be partaking in that. But... That's fine. We, we, I we, mean, we'll... I, oh, if the prices go down to like 40 bucks a ticket, I might be there. You might be there live, but you got to hit the cage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hopping now, son of a bitch. You kidding well, me? Now we've got you on, on record. There we go. Try to stop me, Coker. <laughs> so, there you go. We'll have an episode next week. We'll find a way to weave. Uh... You can record me from jail. <laughs> and you can't yeah. hit the cage unless you've got the unless you're promoing us, unless you're you know, advertising. So you better find a spot on your body to write the logo. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna just be in my Dojo Talk podcast T-shirt and nothing else. That's horrifying. It. Horrifying. Central booking episode. <laughs> you guys are on the lamb episode. Yeah, you guys aren't ready for that. Live over payphone from <laughs> I don't even know what precinct uh the MSG is in. Oh my god, yeah, it is an MSG, isn't it? It um, is. Well, the, the, so many big cards at MSG. For you, you start off with Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. Then Sorry. And, <laughs> I don't want to make the joke. Then, but then I you... can totally hear what you guys were talking about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> the Brutus the Barber Beefcake uh, Clippers. 
<laughs> but then you had Stephen Rolls uh, versus some guy today. You know, the B side. Um, and then next week you got Chael Sun and Neil Machida at like 50 years old. That fade is going to be immaculate. I can hear it. I can hear it already. <laughs> uh, well, before we get started, real quick, shout out to the listeners. I won't run through the top cities, but no matter where you are in the country or out of the country, wherever you are listening to this, regardless of how you got here, we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. So share with a friend, coworker, girlfriend, ex girlfriend, ex wife. Uh, I mean, they wife. already hate you, so. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what more or, could they take from you? Almost. If, if I may, I think the top city deserves to be mentioned. Just them. Everybody else can just look up at them. All right. Top city is uh, San Francisco, California. So, there you go. I'll you guys. We appreciate you. Everybody else, we appreciate you too. Where's Egypt at? Where have you guys been? Get those know numbers it. up. Get those up. Not gonna go into Egypt rant again. We need to figure out like what fighter we're talking about in those episodes to make them pop in. One day I'm just gonna be walking in public and some random Egypt guy who I don't know is from Egypt is just gonna like sock me right in the jaw. <laughs> I believe they're referred to as Egyptians. Wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna I'm I'm say a name and see if it does anything for next week. Mo Salah. There we go. Right, we're gonna see if that works. <laughs> I have to tag him and not not tag him, but uh, <laughs> I have to put his name as like one of the searchable words for the episode. Why am I having such a hard time remembering who that is? He's the soccer player. Oh, I think that's Alex's favorite soccer player. Mm. He's, he's one of the three soccer players I know by name. Good shit. The other two are retired. Good shit. Two more than me. <laughs> Wait, is Freddie do a tired? I haven't heard Freddie Adu's name in a long while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing anymore, but he has not been on uh, my ESPN Top 10 since about 2002. So uh, I don't know what he's doing nowadays. But shout, shout out to Freddie Adu. <laughs> <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah, where, God, wherever bl- you God are. bless you. God bless anybody listening. <laughs> but uh, so this episode will be... Uh, uh, I'll say, quote-unquote, a shortened version, but we'll see how that goes. Abridged. <laughs> right, abridged. But... Yeah, it's a shortened version. We just spent 40-something minutes talking about absolutely nothing, but it's going to be shorter. Don't worry about it. Uh, We're going to get uh, there. I mean, only 10 minutes of it was recorded. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, the other 40 is off in the ethos somewhere. But anywho, uh, start off with fight news and announcements, and then we will just uh, jump right into... Uh, UFC 238. So not really too heavy on the news, but a couple of fights. I'll name some. We'll give thoughts, and then we'll uh, keep it moving along. Uh, The biggest fight announcement, obviously, that pretty sure you guys have heard by now, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier is now official for UFC 242. Um, I have to spend a lot of time on this, but any quick thoughts or predictions on who you guys think's going to win? Do we see an upset happening, or do we think Habib is going to continue his streak of just kind of tossing people around like they're little infants? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Poirier wins, just so we get a whole crowd of just disappointed, like, Abu Dhabi's people. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what they're called. It's like, are they Abu Dhabins? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a real word. 
Well, whatever they're called, I, I, I'm, I'm picking Poirier just because I feel like whenever the UFC does a card that's based around one fighter, it just doesn't go well. He's hell, wrong. hell, could be I even make it to fight night. That is important to remember as well. Uh, I really don't, you know. Like, I don't have a smart take on this yet because no, my like, brain's melted, but. I, I'm i trying to think of a way, like, on the spot for Dustin Poirier to win this fight, and I just really can't. To be honest, I guess, I don't know, this is my hot take. Well, it's not really a hot take because I'm not picking Poirier to win, but I think he's going to do a lot better than people are giving him credit for. But I think at in the at the end of the day, it's gonna be a Habib fight. Like I think Poirier will have like one or two moments, but he'll end up getting tossed on his head, and you know we kind of know how that story goes. I think we saw the guy who beat who beats Khabib tonight. Assuming he like makes it there, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that fight gets booked for the 80th time, and no chords happen. And... Yeah, no chords and no yeah. Uh, yeah. tiramisu and right. <laughs> none of that. I think yeah. Poirier's, Poirier's earned this shot. I'm just happy for him. He finally got the chance that he's pretty much been owed for a, a bit now. So good yeah. for him. So we'll see how that goes. But that, that's going to be an awesome fight. So that'll be at UFC 242. Um, at UFC San Antonio, we'll have James Vick versus Dan Hooker and also Ray Borg versus Gabriel Silva. At UFC Greenville, uh, John Lineker and Rob Font will be having a rematch. Uh, scrolling down at UFC 242, we'll have Islam Makachev versus Davi Hamos, and also a name that I'm about to butcher, uh, Marbeck Taisumov versus Carlos Diego Ferreira. Um, at UFC 240, Gavin Tucker versus Sung Woo Choi. At UFC 241, we'll have Sadiq Youssef versus Gabriel Benitez, and also John McDessie versus Devontae Smith. And that is actually all I have for uh, UFC fight announcements. Um, at Bellator 224, we will have Leslie. Ah, I said that all wrong. Leslie Smith versus. I always say her name wrong. Sinead Kavanaugh. Sin- yeah, Sinead Kavanaugh. Uh, Sinead is not Sinead. Uh, yeah, you're right. Something like that. I'm only saying because there was the singer, and that's like. Oh yes, yeah, Sin- Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. So it's been yeah. like emboldened in my head so that'll be happening at ufc 224 and also last bellator note uh they signed <laughs> back rollins. god yeah they signed back rollins who uh i think she went three and zero in her bare knuckle endeavors yep um, if it wasn't 1 59 am i'd ask the amical to explain to me audioly how like why she's popular but it's too late too late for that <laughs> i could but i think it'd be fighter bashing and we get banned from like the underground or something i don't want to do that i just i like you know well no thought, like yeah oh i wish her well other, uh, other yeah, like, she, she's got she, she <clears throat> i like it when people can make a career for themselves outside the usa agreed obviously i'm glad <laughs> she's not bare knuckling anymore whack are you guys gonna <laughs> do paulie against uh artem or no no, <laughs> I will never cover I'm, bare knuckles. I'm, I'm going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? I, I I won't say we won't cover it. I won't cover it. If, if the anti cool wants to have a spiel on it, I will hand him the mic and he can uh, he can sound off. I will not be participating. It's gonna be me for thirty minutes setting the scene, 
talking about how Paul Malanaji got paid like six figures to go fight in Italy, and I get, and he's choosing to do this instead. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. The bare knuckles. Polly, you're the last good Italian boxer. What are you doing with your life? I don't know. People really love this bare knuckle stuff. I, 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 uh, it's. It speaks to us. It, it, it. Who is us? Us. <laughs> Who is people? Us? People. It is people, though. I've seen a good amount of people who are actually. I don't know. They're fans. I, 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 you know. Hey, and I have they, they probably don't pay for it. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't pay for it. Okay. <laughs> That's a 2 a.m. confession. I'm not judging. It, you guys like what you like. It's, no, it's, I mean, like, everybody's got their thing. Anacool likes the dudes pretending to be knights. You they're, like they're, uh, they're, they're not pretending. Dude, we just <laughs> saw a woman get murdered in the cage. I'm just pointing out that... No Anacool, one can hire on me. <laughs> Anacool likes the knight fights. Uh, Sensei okay. likes... Uh, I'm sure there's something fighting-wise that he likes that I don't particularly care for. I like Super Fight League. We all, we all got our quirks. I mean, I like Super Fight League, too. I'm not surprised. You, remember that clip you sent me of that what, where they were just fighting at the gym? Yeah. And like the one guy like got choked so hard that we thought he died. When <laughs> they left it in the video package. <laughs> <laughs> and they used it for promo. Oh, I mean, you know, you got the footage. Uh, Cannot man. use it. That's the raw. That's the real. Good. And then there was another one where a dude got like elbowed in the back of the head six times and the ref was like not even paying attention. Yeah, I mean, there's interesting stuff going on. It's India. There's, there's always something happening outside. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, last bit of... Oh, two more bits of news. Uh, one bit I'll say, because I forgot to mention it last week. But uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. Did you see that uh, Wideman is officially going up to 205 now? Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Wait, I wish you would have done it sooner. Yeah, uh, like before all the neck injuries. I, and... I want to be like optimistic. I, I want to say that this is gonna go well, and I hope it does go well. But I almost feel like it's like too little, too late. Like, like he waited too long to go up to two hundred five, and he's gonna go up now, and it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be what it could have been like two to three years ago. Yeah, I I, I, I want to agree, but like, but then two hundred five. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Who's Demir? I mean, the the way I see it, like, if he stays at 185, he's going to get keep getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. So, yeah. like, he, he, he might as well just move up and just have, like, a little bit more endurance or whatever. I mean, at, at worst, he can just take people down and just kind of have a couple of those performances, get a couple of wins, and then maybe he'll... I mean, I work, like, and, and again, like, if he gets knocked out, what's the difference? He's been knocked out in like five of his last six fights. He's probably two wins away from a title shot at two hundred five. I mean, freaking Sam Alvey's only two fights away from a title shot. I mean, at but, but yeah, but yeah, point made. Like, who necessarily? <laughs> point made because who necessarily is in front of him? Like, besides Reyes and. I, I think they could. Uh, they'll find a way to push the Wildman Jones narrative. Oh, you could do it in New York. It'll sell. And then well, we also could do the Wildman uh, Rockhold rematch, and he'll be at a uh, he'll be at two hundred five. I mean, I guess so. 
Uh, you you can no you you got to run the Smith fight. That's the that's the ticket seller. And Anthony Smith sold six hundred thousand pay per views. Yeah. All by himself. <laughs> Anthony Smith versus Wide. It's weird how like fifteen pounds makes a difference. Smith versus Weidman. I would have been like, yeah, that's Weidman's fight, easy peasy. But now at like two hundred five, it's like Anthony Smith probably beats the hell out of him. <laughs> He's got punches. He got punches, Jen. You see, I don't think he beats the hell of him. I think Weidman is winning until like the second or third round, and then you just fucking bombed on. Yeah. Because that's how Chris Weidman loses fights. With like a minute left in the third round, he'll try something like a spinning back kick and get counter. I don't know. Ooh. I wish Weidman luck. Same. Sincerely, I, I hope this does work out. Just. Breathe, breathe more life in that division. Hopefully, it extends his career. Right. But I just hope injuries don't like, you know. We'll see though. Cheers to Chris Wyman. I, I do. Oh my I God. Really do I hope. Thought, I just thought of the worst idea, and I think it might happen. What if they do Weidman Johnny Walker? Yes. Mm. No. No. It's like fighting Yoel all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of kissing him and thanking him, Johnny you know, Walker's going to be dancing afterwards. To, to, to segue into my next uh, last bit of news, uh, if, if we do Weidman Johnny Walker, um, we'll be adding Weidman's list to the uh, uh, fighters who have retired recently. Um, Chris Weidman will never retire. I don't know. He will be dragged away from the cage, <laughs> kicking and screaming. I mean... <laughs> Romero flying knees are bad, but Walker ones there is they're just terrible. I don't know. I don't know if he'll make it past a Walker knee. That might that might be it. Yeah. That that might be the. But, but Sensei, hit, hit us with that list of retirements. All right. I might have one to it, add, it, by the way. Because it's it's been a hell of a week. Yeah. So we we couldn't mention these last week because they literally happened like the day after we recorded. Um, so, I mean, as you guys already know, Gustafson retired after the loss to Smith, um, but also other fighters who retired as well. Uh, Jimmy Manawa decided to hang up the gloves. Um, King Mo, also former, uh, you know, Bellator fighter, Bryson, you guys, Strike Force, you guys know who King Mo is. He hung up the gloves, and <laughs> I completely forgot this name. Did this happen in real time? Nick Hahn retired? Why don't I remember this? That that was the post-fight presser, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, that, I must have completely spaced out. But all right, for the post-fight presser, I just didn't see it. But yeah, those uh, those three gentlemen retired. Um, the King Mo one kind of sucked when I actually read the article because it just seems like his body is just like... Yeah, this dude said he had like 30 or 40 surgeries. Yeah. And he said, like, I forgot, he said he was at, like, some, he was at some event, maybe, like, a Bellator event, some MMA event he was at, and, like, he had to get his friends to basically pick him up because he couldn't, he couldn't walk. Yeah. And, like, you just read stuff like that, and it's just like, uh, that is, that's rough, man. Like, there is no pension plan for when you are done fighting. Uh, yeah. And, and from what I've heard, King Mo is, like, the, uh. I heard he's got almost like Kimbo in a sense that King Mo is like the gimmick is not the person. The person's apparently a pretty nice guy. Yeah. So, like, I, like everything I hear about him when he's not like out here talking about fighting, he he sounds like a really cool dude. Yeah. So, by the way, about that list, 
Was Little Nog on your list? No. But did he Dana, retire? Dana said he retired. Dana says a lot. No, Dana wants him. Well, possibly. But the way he's like, he was talking about not wanting BJ Penn to fight anymore and Gustafson retiring and somebody else. And, and he's, he just casually dropped that Little Nog retired or that he wants him to retire. Yeah, I was saying, he, he wants him to retire. Little, little Nog is. Uh... Along so with I, BJ, BJ I Penn. I don't want to and... keep booking these guys, but I also don't want to, you know, fire them. Like, it's weird how he's, like, he's almost become sentimental in a weird sense. Because, like, he was talking about wanting Sage Northcutt to retire. So, like, yeah. he's he's become quite the, uh... Ronda changed him, I think, in a weird way. Because now he, like, he's very, like, of the guys he likes, he's very protective of them. Mm. So it's kind of weird. Because he was, he was talking about Sage Northcutt, and it literally came off like an uncle trying to con- convince uh, a family member to not do anything anymore. It was pretty Sage, interesting. Sage, Sage never does. I mean, he's not wrong. Like, at the same time, he has the power to stop a lot of these guys from fighting again. No, it's totally true. Yeah, we, we could have saved BJ uh, about seven fights ago. I mean, yeah, but then at the same time, like, he couldn't stop Chuck. I wonder if that weighs on him. Probably. Because Chuck was a friend. So I wonder if he's like his friend, so to speak. Like he's protective. He, Which he good. Just, he's I mean. Fucking curses out Area Manual for fire, firing him like every day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> calls, calls, calls Oscar on a burner phone to yell at him about it. Yeah. <laughs> they, Dana White definitely has a burner phone. <laughs> I forgot who it was. It was Jerry Jones who they asked about the number of phones he had. And he's like, I don't, like, he can remember how many phones he had, but he knew which ones he didn't call from. <laughs> and they were like the burner phones. Uh, yeah, Jerry, Jerry has his burner phones that are calling all the disgruntled, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan and we, all our players are terrible. They're all when like did you become a Cowboys fan? I've been a Cowboys fan. I never knew that. That's interesting. We got two of them now. Uh, it's, it's hard. Are you from Texas? I forgot. Sometimes I don't really like broadcasting it. My team is full of criminals. You you know how we do. We're not like uh we'll we'll have that's a that's a not a two a.m. conversation. This yeah. Twelve a.m. Yeah. Twelve p.m. <laughs> conversation. Uh, we are t- we are talking about MMA, my man. Oh, yes we are. Well, no, I just I because you did the the retirement list. I was. Just I mean, gonna... like the, the Cowboys would be it, it would be like all of the worst MMA personalities if you threw them all on one team. It's the Cowboys. Well, not entirely. Like, not entirely. Let's be fair. Let's be frank. <laughs> but, trying to trying to look up if I can find the little nog retirement quote. I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah, Frank Shamrock. I think Dana just threw that in the air and hoped that little nog would hear it in a block. Hear it? It would travel to him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what. Well, he he put it out there. He's like now he made like he, now he made like the next journalist who talks to little nog have to ask him. Right. It's just like what the it's fuck? Like, it's like it's, it's subliminal. You just you throw it in the air and it's you know, little Nog probably wasn't even thinking about retiring. He went yeah. back to the gym the next day and then he was like, Oh, maybe I should I was gonna make a mean joke, but we should make a mean joke. About <laughs> about whether he even remembers fighting Ryan's fan. <laughs> See, I was gonna make a political joke, but I I feel like two AM is probably not the best time for it. I can't find the quote. That's frustrating. It wouldn't surprise me if he did, but he, he said it like definitively. 
But go on. But let us. Best, best, best of luck to those uh those three. Um. Well, <laughs> never mind. Four. <laughs> I was about to say something. I had to, had to catch myself. I was gonna say I have fond memories of these three, but I don't remember Nick Hine all that much. I, I remember what Frank Camacho did to him last week. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> no, actually, Nick Hine, Renaissance man, because he's like a cop. He's, he's also a, like a TV actor. Actor. Also, also, is like all around good dude, I guess, because freaking he introduced the guy he beat up in his first UFC fight to his sister. And now they're married. Oh, you are a saint, sir. You are a true saint. Nick Hine. Nick Hine was a. You know, you know Nick Hine. Honestly, not a great fighter, but by all accounts, a nice guy. So. He is the sergeant. Yeah. Best of luck to these uh, three in retirement. And shout out to Manuel. I, I'll, my 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 lasting Manuel memory is I remember his first fight was against Kyle Kingsbury, and I just remember like one day before I knew who he was, I was researching that card. I was like, Jimmy Manuel, who's this guy? So I hopped on YouTube and I typed in his name and I saw him just brutally just murdering people. And I called my friend. I was like, Kyle Kingsbury is going to die uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just, sometimes you just got to call a friend. Out like the, the end of Kyle Kingsbury's run in the UFC was just tragic. Glover. Man, well, like man, even man. going back to like the, his last win, where he beat Fabio Maldonado, but looked like he got mugged. Oh boy! Jimmy Manuel was like one of those guys who, if he got an MMA five years earlier, like you do wonder about what his upside could have been. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, he he was a good talent. Yeah, he just he got in. Yeah, he got he got in way too late. You know, kind of like Glover. Like, how good would Glover have been if he got in before Jones? He would have been champ. I, I firmly believe he would have been champ. I don't know how long he would have held it, but I think he would have been champ. Because before his athleticism was completely gone, he was not a slouch off of his back. And I don't know, man. That's a good. That's a good uh, potential discussion one day. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he'll, he'll he'll go in that category of what if. He, yeah, he's he's one of those guys. He's got no reason to what if, man. He's still winning at fifty-seven years old. He can, uh, <laughs> he's gonna outlast everybody. Oh man. But, he waits long enough. Jones will retire, or you know, go to heavyweight, or go to jail. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey, hey, you know that's a possibility. I'm just thinking about Glover against Nikita Krylov for the belt. I Glover, 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 2023. He'll only be 67 then. Hey man, still, still be the, the old man strength doesn't leave. He does embody old man strength, doesn't he? Yeah, does. The strength doesn't leave. He might not be as agile, you know, he might not be able to take a punch as well, but the strength doesn't go anywhere. Glover's the kind of guy who, like, uh, he's got the house at the end of the block and nobody wants to go there, and then one day you hit the ball onto his property, and he's just like, hey, come on, play it, like, just play over here, it's no big deal, and then everybody's like, wow, the crazy old man is actually really nice. <laughs> so Glover is nice guy Glover. There we go. There we go. But... Best of luck to those three gentlemen. Uh, in and Lim Hock, potentially, if you're. And if you, yeah, if you got, if you got the that message via uh, carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't Big Nog just walk in like that? Big Nog works for the UFC. You could just go in there, like, hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, yeah, best of luck to those three gentlemen. So, 
that's uh, pretty much it for news. There are other cards and fisticuffs that happened during this week, but uh, we just won't get a chance to really cover them. Um, I guess I can mention real quick, uh, Triple G flatlined. What, what was the gentleman's uh, name? His name is Steve Rolls. Yeah, he got rolled on his face. That's how that's like. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, Steve steamrolled. Yeah, there's your, there's a recap <laughs> of Triple G. Uh, yeah, the, the the zone posted the highlight like a second after the fight was over. So you just just go on the zone Twitter, and you can see how uh, see how that fight ends. So we will just uh, move right along to the uh, main event of the evening, UFC 238 which went down in Chicago, Illinois, headlined by Marlon Marais and Henry Cejudo. And we will just start this from the top. Um... <laughs> God. So, so, Sensei, how, how, how do you feel about, uh, about um, our new Bantamweight champion? I almost feel like I have to give, like, a backstory. Uh, people who don't know why I'm sighing, you can't see me, but my hand is resting on my cheek and my head is pointed downward to the floor. Um, <laughs> Go on. If 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 you if you know my history, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or if you followed me on Tumblr before this podcast was even a thing, um, I've been champion championing uh, Marlon Marais for a very long time. Um, even back in his World Series of Fighting days, I believe that this man was the best bantamweight on the planet. He just needed a chance to prove it. Because in my, the way I looked at it, the eye test told me everything I needed to see. Like this guy had everything, and I had no reason to believe he wouldn't come to the UFC and do what he did in WSOF. I mean, that kind of worked. I mean, he lost his first fight, split decision. You know, whatever. It was to a sunset. No shame in that. Comes back, goes on a tear. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is the Marais that I, I knew we were going to get. And I was just oh so confident that he would stare across at Henry Cejudo's large head and he would head kick it into the front row. And, like, this fight would go maybe, like, two two rounds. I had to give Cejudo some respect, but I was like, Marais is going to take his head off. I just There's no other way this fight's going to end. Boy, was I wrong. Um, I'm a little salty right now. So if I don't give Cejudo a lot of props, just, you know, I'll throw my biases out there. I'm not ashamed. I'm salty. I'm hurt. Um, I'm a little disappointed. This was a great card, and this main event just kind of sucked the air (laughs) out of everything for me. But in all fairness to you, Sensei, Mama Marais might actually be the best band of weight just because, again, Eddie Cejudo is a flyweight. Yeah, but flyweight's not going to exist anymore. So. Yeah. I mean, also, Henry Soto might move up to featherweight soon, so. <laughs> so he can still be the best man of weight. Yeah, there you go. But, um, uh, I, something told me in this fight, like, the first round was almost going too well, and I had this little just suspicion in the back of my mind, like, all right, so Hudo's getting blasted with these leg kicks. And Marais is out here looking really good, but it was almost, like, suspiciously going too well. Like, all right, I feel like I, I, just, I feel uneasy about this fight still for some reason. And then the second round comes along, and Cejudo just, I don't know what happens. Like, the switch 
flips. The man just, he's like, all right, I'm tired of these leg kicks. We're, we're not doing this anymore. And just the fight just, just turns. And the more it started to turn in Cejudo's favor, the more I could feel it like Marais' fight is slipping. It's slipping. If you don't land one of these little crazy head kicks, it's, this fight's going away, bro. It's, <laughs> it's just, I could just feel it. And like, Cejudo starts landing more. He looks a little more confident. When they were clinching and he was landing those knees and Marais was just looking confused. Like, he didn't know what was going on. And the reality started to set in. Like, oh, no, he's he's not going to get the belt, is he? It's, it's, I'm going to leave this fight with my feelings hurt. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I want to hate so bad on Cejudo. I really do. I want to be angry. And I'm kind of salty. But, man, he did a lot better than I gave him credit for. Um, he looked really good. Like, after that first round, that's, that's, that says a lot that he was able to just kind of put that first round behind him. And he just completely turned the fight around. And next thing you know, he's landing good shots in the clinch. Marais is getting kneed in the face. Cejudo's landing, like, decent combinations. Marais is starting to look tired. And Cejudo's gas tank just kind of seemingly never runs out. Um, boy. Which is wild, because I always peg Cejudo as a dude who faded late. I think our, our theory that we've said on this podcast for Cejudo is, is, is right. That when he's motivated and, like, he has a goal, the man is, like, unstoppable. Like, we, we kind of questioned him earlier on because, like, he was, like, missing weight and... You know, he, his career started off, his UFC career started off a little little, little clunky, like, at times. Very but, lackluster. Yeah. But the man has since corrected whatever those mistakes were, and he has been on a warpath, and poor Marais just had to be a victim. And I I, 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 I got to give Cejudo credit. I, I probably underestimated what I thought he would do at 135, especially to a guy like Marais, who... I didn't think Cejudo was going to have the... I didn't think he'd be able to take a lot of the shots that he took. Like, I just envisioned him somehow getting rocked and it would just end up going bad. And that just... Aside from those leg kicks, that never happened. Like, he was able to eat shots. I, I didn't think he would be able to, like, rock Marais or really put him in danger. But, dude, he just... Cejudo just doesn't go away. And just... The more he landed, the more Marais looked tired, and the more I just could feel like the fight was slipping away. And the ground and pound at the end was just, it felt like it was inevitable. Like, Marais just didn't look like he had much left. And Cejudo gets a, a third-round finish. And it's kind of wild, because in the write-up I did, I think I predicted a third-round finish, but I had it for Marais. And it was the exact opposite. Um, now Cejudo has two belts, and he's calling out Cody Garbrandt. Make make of, <laughs> make of that what you will. <laughs> but, um, I, I think I think he realizes that where that where the money is. It's not yeah. Garbrandt anymore though. Huh? It's not in Garbrandt anymore. I mean, Garbrandt probably still gets paid better than ninety nine percent of the fight uh, yeah. bantamweights on the roster. Fair enough. Gar- Gar- Garbrandt Cruz in in favor, who's still has yet to make his comeback, but we'll be seeing him and. What's weird is that, like, the Cruz caught up not that awful until you remember that the last time Dominic Cruz fought was in the end of 2016. 
Yeah, it's going on three years. Yeah. Because Cruz didn't... It's not like Cruz lost seven fights in a row. And like, like, he lost one fight after dominating the division in his comeback. So, it's, um, you know, it's not an awful call-out, but the Faber and the Garbrandt one, ooh, chima, ooh. Yeah. Like, I think he just realized, like... I don't know if this is him calling attention to the fact that, like, the UFC doesn't pay other bantamweights well, or just fighters in his weight class well, because he's like, that's what he was talking about. He wanted heavyweight money. Right. Um, I don't he think like, he's that, that, I don't think he's that advanced level. Yeah, no, I, I think he's, this is, okay, who gets the biggest paychecks? Right. I guess they're the biggest fighters. That's who I want to fight, because I want the biggest paychecks. He was indirectly saying, like, I'm not the A-side, so find me the A-sides. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, Somehow, like, Jermaine it's... Sterling, I'm cussing him out. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you overlook me for your Rob Faber? I mean... Yeah, I, well, yeah. 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 You know what? It's not unlikely that Faber wins, like, two fights and he's there. It's not unlikely that Ricky Simone gets hurt and they just give Faber a title shot. <laughs> this fight, fine, it. whatever, who cares? Like, oh, get to it. Yeah, no one, no one like Aspen Lavers, JDR, uh, GDR. So we're we're just kind of stuck. So fuck it. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> they're just gonna they're gonna punish the audience. Now I have to watch a forty-year-old Faber come in and try to flail overhand rights against the Hudo. This is what happens when you don't like Aspen Lavers, GDR. You get uh, you get this now. Yeah. Are you happy? Are you happy, Sacramento? Yeah. <laughs> you get to watch your hero die. <laughs> God. But I'll say this in closing. I'll let you guys give your thoughts. Uh, Cejudo's... God, I don't, don't want to say this. He's great. That was, a, that was hard to say. The man's great, though. I can't, can't lie. The resume is... Uh, it's not the longest resume in the world. He, you know, relatively hasn't been here that long. But for what he's accomplished in this short time... Man's great, man. Can't uh, can't argue. It's 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 hard to doubt him now. It's 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 really hard to doubt him now. Mm-hmm. So for what it's worth, Dana White just said he that the, the flyweight division's not going anywhere, and that Henry Cejudo could defend belts at both weights. Ah, see, my prediction was right. He did say that. He said that on Thursday and Friday too. So he's being consistent with that. Nah, my prediction was right. That if Cejudo won. He's only going to keep those divisions around because Cejudo's a double champ, and any promotion phones at the mouth to promote a double champ. I guarantee you, if Cejudo would have got his head kicked off, we would we would would be gone. Yeah, would have got Thanos dusted. Well, well, you know, it's interesting, or at least interesting to me. Like he didn't yeah. mention him, but the fight that might make the most sense slash money would have probably been the Benavidez rematch. He didn't mention him, so that's Damn. a little. What is it? What's up? No, like what? Like what? Because like Joseph Benavidez is like the odd stepchild of like Team Alpha Male. Because <laughs> like, cause, like th- that was the whole like that's the entire reason the flyweight division exists because they right. wanted to give Joseph Benavidez, Benavidez a title. Right. And, and then they thought maybe Ian McCall would have been the backup option. Right. And when that didn't work out, like yeah, like fuck, we got Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Like, but it never felt like Benavidez was ever like. Benavid- like either because he lost the title or because or, or he lost the DJ twice or because just whatever reason just their general attitude towards flyweight like it's not exactly like Benavides was at the top of any of these cards like 
and they I thought he was like the money draw or I think something. After that, I think after DJ starts them, they probably just yeah, shred yeah, his papers. Was... Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that you mentioned that he's co-maining on ESPN. Ooh, is he? Yeah, like him against uh, Formiga is the co-main event to JDS and Ganu. Ooh. So, so maybe that why, is in the works. That, that's why I thought that they would they would set that fight up. Sinister plan unfolding. That's why I thought that they would go with that. But then he never mentioned Benavidez in the post-fight. Or he never mentioned it in his little speech. I don't think Cejudo wants to fight at Flyway anymore. I don't think so either. But I just I think that might have been the plan. Duck in the smoke. <laughs> the tiny fists of Joseph. <laughs> 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 I as for the fight, do, so it's crazy to me that DJ stopped that man because so who don't just tanks damage like a motherfucker? There's like no regard for his own safety whatsoever. Uh, big head man. Big head, like yeah, that's why I thought it would be punted off at, like the, his body. Because... No, I, I think we're. I think you got to learn the size of the head equals the punch resistance. Look at Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, Tito Ortiz is out here getting you know his skull cracked open. That's different. Kelvin <laughs> <laughs> Gastelum's got a Yugo parked on his shoulders, and he could take all kinds of Israel Adesanya damage. So, gotta have a big head. Big head, big neck. Mm, um. You're learning. You guys got to learn this. Yeah. Well, you know what really surprised me? Mom Moraes is fast as shit. Like, Henry Cejudo tried to play the speed game with him in the first round and just looked... He looked like he was the bantamweight fighting the flyweight. You know what I mean? Like, just could not keep up with him until he decided to just bite down and just swing. Um. Also, what surprised me is how. So, Moraes is a Muay Thai fighter, right? Like, I don't know if he has like a very deep background with Muay Thai, but like, how, this this man had like no clinching skills. Like, he would just let Cejudo grab his neck and throw knees, and it, it was just really bizarre. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was kind of worrisome. Like, Cejudo got off a lot of knees that just... I don't say they shouldn't have happened, but, like... There should have been a lot more resistance. Yeah, than like, yeah. Okay, you're grabbing my neck now. <laughs> like, I didn't think Cejudo would be the one bullying. <laughs> like... <laughs> I didn't envision that, at least not in that area. Like, I, I didn't think he would clinch bully him like he did. That was, yeah, that that was kind of wild to watch. Yeah, in theory, Saudo probably has a few, like, a good four or five years left of being able to just tank damage like this. Because, well, before he fought DJ, like, how he got hurt, like, once, maybe? By, by that skinny leg dude in, like, LFA. And that's it. Like, he's never really been hurt before. So. Go through, go through four more years of these call-outs. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm all for Cejudo doing the call-outs. I just need a consistent gimmick. 
bro. Like, if you're gonna show up to a card dressed as like a king, you don't have to be doing magic tricks. Pick one. Oh boy. Like he could have just showed up with the top hat and the cape, but he's like, no, I need to wear my crown and my gold medal. Just gotta lean all the way into the awkwardness. I mean, like, I mean, he actually well, he leans pretty far into it. He, he might not. Right? He's out here trying to get a date with Nikki Bella. I don't know. This might do it. That, that's some Sage Northcutt type shit where he's like tweet, uh, he's like tweeting at Christy Teigen about how he can crush an apple with his bare hands. Yeah, but I don't think Sage was doing that to him. I think he just wanted to show off. I don't think he was doing that for any sort of romantic interest. And I, 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 I think Sage Northcutt. I don't want to think about flirty Sage. I think that ruins the purity of the gimmick. So, Joey, how do you uh, how do how do you feel about this uh, <clears throat> this this uh, <laughs> this good old mate? I I guess I want to float something to Anti Cole real quick. Uh, you've watched pretty much all the World Series of Fighting fights that Marlon Marais had, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Would you agree with the idea that I don't know how to word it, so I'm gonna do the best I can here? Would you agree that Marlon Marais does not like to work hard? Yeah. Right. So it felt like the first round was everything he needed to be for Marlon Marais. He was controlling the distance. He was landing when he had to. But most of all, he was not working hard. Cejudo was not blitzing him. He was just staying in kicking range. And at the end of the first round, Cejudo went to his corner, and they just told him flat out, like, you just can't be there. Like, you either have to be further back and trying to catch him coming in, or you have to be in striking range and you have to be first. You have to get, like, don't wait for him. You throw before he throws, or when he throws, you throw. And he just kind of, he reset, came out in the second round, and he made Marlon Rice work hard. All of a sudden, the kicking range was gone. It was, it was nullified. If he was landing, it was on the edge, and Suhudo was going with the kick. Um, after about halfway through the second round, Suhudo had a really interesting little, he faked a knee, Marlon Rice bit on it, and he caught him with a right hand straight. And that kind of kicked off everything. I remember thinking, like, right then that Marais is beginning to give a little bit of ground, which, again, like, guys who really like to kick, who have great kicks, they don't like to work hard. They don't like it when it becomes a nasty brawl. Marlon Marais doesn't lose rounds, in theory, to Josh Hill unless it becomes ugly and Marlon Marais has to work hard. So, Cejudo made the adjustment, and then in the third round, Marais was, like, tired and slow and sluggish, and Cejudo understood the pacing needed to be high, and he caught Marlon Marais with a body shot against the fence in the third round, and that was it. I, I, I sent it on the tumbler that he was done then. Yeah. He just, he just cried. He, he folded. And then you could see it when he willingly went to the ground. Like, he was not fighting that takedown. He threw his legs up and went down. And then it was just a matter of, could Cejudo finish the job? And he did. Henry mm-hmm. Cejudo's amazing. Just in terms of, this was his best win because it was just so gnarly. Like, he did not have a DJ Cejudo was technically beautiful. Uh, DJ Dillashaw, uh, Cejudo Dillashaw was just a blitz performance. You really can't take anything from that. This one, he he got tested in a big way, and the mental toughness is immense on this guy. We're going to talk about it later on with another fella, but there are some fighters who can go to places you just can't go. Yeah. And that, I think, defines this performance for Cejudo. He went to a place Marais simply could not go with him to, and... That requires a special kind of person. So, Dude, like, Marlo, uh, Mark Henry in, like, 
Maurice's corner, telling him, your mother's, like, what was it? Like, your mother's scrub yeah, floor so you could be a fighter. And and he's giving that speech, and it's like round and, two. And, and he's like, <laughs> look at me when I'm fucking talking. Like, he's, he's just trying to, like, wake Maurice up. Like, he's, he's trying to get him angry at that point. Like, yeah. and like, like, Maurice is just like gone, mentally gone. Yeah, that's weird because it felt like he broke him so early. Like, right. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, he did say that at the end of the second round. I was watching in the third round where the first knee to the body, he was just like, okay, when do you want me to stop? Right. And it's weird because it's like, it's weird, but it's also weird because we under, or not weird, because we understand how tough fighters are. But it's always so interesting when you find a guy who just has this unbelievable will. And it's not even like a human will. It's just like, like where did that come from? Because Cejudo was getting blitzed in the first round. And then he came out calm in the second round and reset and then just went to a place Marais couldn't go. And there's no real technical term for that. Like, what do you call that? It's not like a jab. He's like, oh, you know, what a great jab. Like, you have to come up with, like, I can't think of a term to describe Sahudo's. Uh, like, it's not grit. It's something more than that. Yeah, it's like, you only see it in, like, the weird, like, a, another guy who's going to come up later we'll talk about it with. But, like, I just uh, lack the term for it. I think it's one of those things where, like, you get blasted that bad in the first. And it's like, all right, I'm still here. Um, you know, my legs probably hurt <laughs> a lot, but like I'm, I'm okay. Like I haven't, you know, I'm not dead yet. I haven't ended up on the highlight reel like everybody else he's fought. And, and I do, I not to cut you off, but I do think he was hurt at the end of that second round. I don't know. I think Rogan might have oversold, oversold it a little bit, but he got caught clean yeah. going he did, into Yeah, he definitely got caught. But I think I, I feel like once he realized, like, oh, I can like actually. Because I, I didn't think he was going to be able to hang with him on the feet. Like, I just I, I just envisioned, like, he's going to get rocked at some point, and it's going to be bad. But he was, like, hanging with him on the feet, and, like, just it just seemed like once everything, it, just, it was like a snowball effect. Like, little things started to click, and then more things started to click, and then it was like, oh, I'm better than this guy now. Like, I just need to go in and just, you know, things just progressively got better and better and better. And on Marais, it was, like, the complete opposite. Like, the fight was just, it was falling apart. Right. I, I will say, Marais probably, I don't know if, he, he probably could have staved off a lot of this if he had any type of range, like, management, like, like tools in his arsenal. Yeah. I said, in, all right, go ahead. Like, no type of jab. That's, yeah. Yeah, no jab, no, like, push nope. kick. Well, well yeah. maybe not a push kick because wrestling might maybe not want to do that. But just well, even just so, like anything to keep Henry Cejudo from deciding, like, oh, I don't want to get leg kicked. I'm just going to like march my ass into range and throw bombs on you. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I think Marice probably isn't used to that because most guys who do try to come in, he can outstrike them and just like knock them out. But. Cejudo can just kind of take this unreal amount of punishment. So he can take a couple of licks and come in and just kind of keep pushing forward. And Marais clearly doesn't work well under pressure. Like, you get him operating in space, and he's great, but you get in his face a little bit, and it's kind of like the... I'm trying to, trying to think of somebody else. 
Barbosa. Yes, yes, yes. It's like the Barbosa syndrome. You get in his face a little bit, you get him rattled a little bit, and he's kind of, yeah, he, he's just kind of, I don't say he's lost, but suddenly just things aren't going so well. The fight's not going as smooth as he wanted. He just gets, he just looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and like, just to go back to that, just to wrap up my final point, I guess, in total, like, we do underestimate the human element. So who knows how stunned Marais was when he's like, holy shit, I hit this guy with everything and he's like not stopping. All right. You know, because because you could see the demeanor change pretty quickly, even before Cejudo was landing anything strong where it was like, oh, shit, we've got a problem. Yeah, you could feel it. <laughs> you could just feel that the tide of the fight was changing. And yeah. Yeah. Good luck, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Every, good luck, everybody on that little hit list. All you old guys. Why do you call out Cody Garbrandt, man? Cody's been in there. <laughs> you know about that? You know what? That'll be a whole other tangent. I don't want to get into that. But Cody, Cody sold three hundred thousand pay per views. So. Yeah. No, that's actually a good point. Good. And let's not act like, dude. Cody Garbrandt. It would be very Cody Garbrandt if he found a way to one shot. Cejudo with something stupid. Cejudo knocks him out. Oh no, for sure. But I'm saying like Gar <laughs> Garbrandt's gonna find a way to hurt Cejudo. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 see. We'll we'll see how these this this. Don't give him anybody on that hit list. But anywho, <laughs> hey, listen. You hold two belts. You can kind of you know. We've seen we've seen. You can pick and choose what you want. Yeah, the, the power he wields. He might fight a. He might just grow his hair out like Ricky Simone and just fight Faber without Faber knowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Cejudo is your featherweight champ, while that division still exists, and your bantamweight champion. Um, Flyweight. Yeah. It's two a.m. Uh, it's three a.m. Oh Jesus Christ! It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're just gonna breeze right through this bad boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, that that was that was the main event. So the next fight is short. Co-main event did uh did not last as long, not as much to break down. I think this kind of it went the way we thought we would, but I, Jesus I, I, I did it. <laughs> it. It did. I, I, I knew it was gonna be a stoppage. I didn't think it was gonna be a near death experience. Um cadaverific yeah this this was a uh, woof uh valentina shevchenko defended her flyweight title against jessica i um boy oh boy um i mean jessica was losing pretty much the entire fight um but safely yeah in, in the first round at least it was like safe it was like i'm losing but like i'm not getting murdered so this is okay like you know, I ate some kicks. I got taken down. She controlled me, but, like, I didn't die. So it's, it's all good. Uh, second round, not so much. Um, I'm going to just jump to the finish. That's one of the hardest head kicks I've ever seen in my life. Um, it just <laughs> it happened so fast. And just the way it connected, the sound that it made, it was scary the way like her head bounced off the canvas. It was a beautiful kick, but it was just one of those kicks that like you looked at eye because she didn't move for like five minutes. And I, I think I'm like barely exaggerating. Like she didn't get up for a while. 
and it was just kind of like, ooh, like yeah, it reminded me. She was of, twitching. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those where, like, one of those head kicks where you see it, and, like, you celebrate it first because in the moment it's like, oh, that was great, that was beautiful. And then when she doesn't move, you're reminded of, like, how brutal this sport is. And it's like, I hope she's, like, actually good. And then you knew it was bad because when she woke up, she was like, I got knocked out. And it's like, yeah, you got, yeah. That happened. Um, Jeez. Um, one of the hardest, one, one of the nastiest head kick KOs you'll see all year. Um, maybe in your life. Yeah, may, maybe in your whole life. It, it was really that bad. Um, it was that good, but that bad at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, but hey, Shevchenko, Gunnar Shevchenko, it's not a lot to break down in this fight. Just a nasty, filthy head kick highlight real KO. Yeah, it was a really nice, um, like you said, she had been attacking the body with those kicks. And uh, I, I guess, assumed it was going back down to the body and just ducked right into the... Um, there was another head kick just like that. Crap, who am I thinking of? It's not the rack it's not the rackish head kick from last week. It's um Oh, the Holly Holm head kick on Betcoea. Right. Or you know. It is the thing that Marlon Maurice was not able to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, no, Valentina's just gonna keep hurting like these women at one twenty five, like really badly. Until somebody stops her. Or she gets bored. Right. Good luck to you all. Yeah. So, like, this division needed this in the worst way. Because they started the tough for it, nobody cared. And then they had Nico Montano against the Jar Eubanks set up. And then Eubanks falls out, so it's Roxanne Modafferi. And Nico beats Roxanne, and they're going to do Eubanks against Montano again. But then that doesn't work out, so then they're going to do... Valentina gets Nico Montano and Montano drags her feet and then they set it up and then she pulls out at the last minute and then they have this weird makeshift Joanna Shevchenko uh, matchup which was a big deal but it was a boring fight and this division was in bad shape and so I don't know if they had this in mind where it's like hey look Jessica I if we're being honest is not the best fighter but she's earned the title shot uh, but we need something to get Shevchenko going and they had to have known, like, I had very little chance. So I wonder if they were betting for a big finish, and they got it. And now this division has some life to it. And I'm not completely on the Shevchenko bandwagon. I still think that there's something askew about her with the fans and just not being, maybe not being the most exciting fighter in the world, but you got to have something for her after this. Like, this is a highlight reel setup. It's like one of those Vitor highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. This this is exactly like that. Now I think about it. this is this is like the type of shit you expect in like UFC fifty five, right? Where like somebody just gets splayed out because they had no idea what was coming. Yeah, um, it's like it, I, like again like in that same vein. It's one of those things where it's like Vitor doesn't always didn't always have exciting fights until he got too old, to the point where that's all he could do. Right. But, in his prime, he was hit or miss, but the hits were amazing. They were like highlight reels. So, like, this gotta you gotta do something with Shevchenko after this, or you're wasting 
I mean, like... The only opportunity. If we're be, uh, if if Yolanda chose to stay at Flyweight, she'd be the second best Flyweight by far. Um, it's fair to say that this division, as of right now, is bloated strawweights and bantamweights who are finally beginning to learn how to cut weight. Yeah, like I, I think it'll get better, but it's gonna need some. It'll need a little time. No, I'm I'm I like the division. I think it serves a purpose. It's just that you're stuck with. You know, yeah. Jessica Eyes a, a bloated 134. She was a bloated 135er, but she's not she's not the best fighter in the world. And then your alternatives is Caitlin Chikagian, yeah. who, you know, was a a good 135er, but she lost to Jessica Eye. Or you're left with you know, Liz Carmouche, who was a 135er, or you're and, left with... And as a win over uh, Valentina. That's, I didn't even know that. You kept yeah. talking about that, and I was like, "What is he talking about?" Oh yeah, no. <laughs> so the the was it seventeen and three now? She's the one of the three losses. Oh really? I had no idea. Yeah, I don't even know. Like so. All right, so the 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 fight was like bizarre rules, if I remember correctly. Ah, I see. Like it was like, I think it was Valentina's like first or second fight, but this was back in like two thousand like seven. Hmm. Like, it was right before her, like, kickboxing career took off. I see. No, like, I, like, I, I just... You gotta keep Valentina busy. I just don't know who you fight her against. I mean... I, I say just feed her bodies, man. Yeah, I was like, gonna say, until, until the division, like, thickens her, out. That... Yeah, give her all the, like, the, the former 135ers. Like, I just feel like the audience is gonna smarten up to that real quick. I mean, but to be honest, like what they they don't have much of a right. You can say much choice. of a choice. Yeah, you just throw some bodies in there, give 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 her a couple of highlight real KOs, and hopefully over some time, the division thickens out, and you can find somebody who might actually be something. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like a Mighty Mouth situation where you're just like, look, we need a free TV main event. She's available. Yeah, I mean a co-main event, just like. Send her out there to murder somebody. Yeah, she is is like the perfect co-main event for, like, when you want, like, a gimmick title fight underneath. No, I'm saying, like, you got an ESPN card. Hey, you want to go head kick somebody on ESPN? There you go. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, look at the rankings now. I guess you can do Caitlin Chikagan. There's Liz Carmouche, and I think she's fighting Rocky, uh, Roxy next month. Um... I don't know. Like Alexis Davis on a two-fight losing streak, I think. Um, after that, it's Slim Pickens. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What's Juliana Pena doing? Is she, is she still in jail? Jesus Christ, man! Commentating. Watch. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever it is, um, good luck. Have fun. Hope you're training hard. Um, I don't know if that's going to matter, but, you know. I wonder how Aldana would do. Mm. Mm. Probably not well. Yeah, because I'm thinking about it now. Like, <sighs> She's there to be hit. We're going to talk about it with Alexa Grasso, I imagine, but I, I just wish a lot of these ladies would get into, especially from Mexico, would get into a weight room. Because I think Aldana with some muscle on her would be pretty damn good. 
at least at stopping Valentina's underrated wrestling, because it's pretty damn good, too. Yeah. Yeah, she is strong, too. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. You may just be stuck with this one. Yeah. I mean, no. Hey, if if the, the skill disparity never picks up, it's not a bad one to be stuck with. Like, it could be worse. You could be stuck with, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think this did, like, Valentina's weird. Like, she's very, 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 she, she's well-spoken. She's got some personality to her. Her fights are not entirely awful. Like, I, I don't know. She has a weird fan base. Really? Have you run into them? Is that is that from experience? That's from, like, I saw a picture on Instagram, and I read the comment section. Ooh, that's the problem. You can't read the comments. I if she has like a million followers on Instagram, by the way. They like, mentioned take going like doing a fight from her home country, and I think that would be kind of interesting. I do, she is like a big deal in uh, Kyrgyzstan. Like what, like she met the president like a couple weeks ago. Apparently, he called her after the fight and gave her congrats, which is cool. You got to get some kind of medal of something. <laughs> and I, and I know she was like on a, a reality show in Peru. Like that was my first thought was like if you're going to go to Peru you can uh like she would be the one. Yeah, like she she is not like unknown there. Like she she is popular. I uh, I I can't, you know, gauge how popular she is. Um but people know she is because of her dancing. I'm just thinking about Yoel Romero. Because <laughs> you mentioned reality shows and he did one. Oh, boy. Well, uh, that was the co-main event. Glad, Jessica, I, like, got back up. Because that was, uh, it was looking rough. But, uh, yeah, good luck to all challenges in that division. You guys have fun. I'll be praying for you. Um, moving on to what they labeled as the people's main event. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. No wonder Henry Cejudo was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be fa- let's be a hundred percent fair. They don't do this fight unless they were a hundred and fifty percent horrified at what they were seeing, ticket sales wise or pay per view interest wise. Like they don't make this fight unless they're scared from what Cejudo Marais was doing. Oh. This is, to be 100% fair, this is like a panic fight. Well, I'm glad they pulled the trigger on the panic fight. Damn sure. Uh, <laughs> you know what? This is actually one of those fights that even though, like, it, it ended in a way, like, you never really want to see a fight end via stoppage. But I was so entertained that I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I, I got everything I wanted out of this fight minus a finish. But, like, I'm, I'm almost, I'm okay with that. I mean, if we're being honest, this is probably the best finish possible for Donald Zeroni. Yeah, people were mad. I'm like, you wanted another round of that? Yeah, because he... I mean, first round was pretty competitive. They they both... Zeroni landed some some good shots. It was was much more competitive than the second round. Like, it was a... It was one of those fights where I just kind of knew that, all right, they're starting off at a high pace. They're going back and forth. One of these two gentlemen is going to be able to keep up his pace. One of them is not. And I think we all know who's going to keep being, being able to do this. And, uh, you know, I mean, Cerrone mm-hmm. had moments, landed shots good in the first. It really, they both 
landed good in the first. I think I still scored the first four, Tony. I want to say. Um, but it was it was good quality violence in the first round. And then the second round comes. And then it, it was like, it was like the gap just started to widen more and more and more. Like first it's like, all right, after round one we're like neck and neck, and then like Ferguson started to like lap him, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to like down Cerrone because like there was no point in the fight where like he was giving up. Like he was, he was still landing shots and like trying to make the fight competitive. But you could just start to see, like, the longer that second round went, boy, Tony just started to get off, man. Just constantly landing that push kick. Or then he would do, like, the kick followed by, like, the jab. Or coming from all these weird angles. He's ducking and throwing random spinning elbows. Um, doing Tony stuff. We, we know what Tony stuff. Stepping elbows. All kinds of just wild, just crazy maneuvers. Gramby rolling out of that right. one big down. <laughs> but, like, one of, one of the things that stuck out to me in this fight was um, even in the first round, they would both land shots on each other, but it just seems like Tony's hands are just made of bricks. Like, to me, it just seemed like his hits were just so much harder and just had so much more effect as to where, like, Cerrone's, like, they would land, and he might even land, like, a, a, a clean you know, one, two or something, but it was like Tony could just kind of like, all right, you caught me, but all right, that was cute. <laughs> and then Tony fires back and it's like a war zone. And you, you could just tell like halfway through the second round, like Cerrone's face looks like he got hit with like every weapon in like a video game. Like you just cycle through all your items and you hit them with all of them. And Ferguson's face looks like, you know, like, I'm cool. Got a couple scratches here and there, but nothing. I, you know, I'll throw some peroxide on. I'll be fine. Yeah. And Cerrone's face was like the director's cut of a movie. Just, just, I don't know. Blood, blood everywhere. And then, you know, the end of the fight. Well, I guess we'll talk about first uh, the, the punch at the end of uh, the first round. No, that was the stoppage. Not the first Second round. round. Yeah. Second round. Yes. I'll go ahead and say, and I'm pretty sure you guys will agree. All right. The punch was, was the punch late? Yes, it was late. Was that punch the reason the fight got stopped? No, not at all. For I mean, one, the, the, the reason the fight got stopped was the prior five minutes in which Don Cerrone got <laughs> his absolute face beating. And... Yeah. It's like Ferguson looked so good in that second round and all of his weirdness and craziness that he does that man looked he he didn't miss a beat from the last time we he 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 looked so good and the way the fight ended for those who didn't see it uh they stopped the fight because Cerrone's eye was growing another eye on top of his eye um because he went to blow his nose because I don't know if his nose was broke but it was definitely busted up because he got punched in it a, a good 80 times and then he tried to blow his nose uh, while they, the fight was, like, briefly stopped for a second. And his eye just kind of just, like... <laughs> Swelled shut. Like, like, kind of like when you're playing Smash Bros. and Kirby jumps and he does, like, the breathing thing and he puffs up. Like, that's what his eye did. His eye did, <laughs> his eye did that. I, I, I shouldn't do that. And uh, the fight got stopped. 
And that crowd was trash for, like, booing Tony. Like, I get it. We don't want to see fights end like that. But had that fight continued, Tony was just going to keep battering this man with just... He hit he hit Cerrone with everything in the arsenal. I, I'll give Cerrone props that he didn't get like knocked out, but I think the fight was headed that direction. We would have saw another round. Um, yeah, I, I think a large part of the crowd booing was them thinking that that last yeah. punch did something more than it actually did. The misconception. Yeah. Go watch the replay, guys. Uh, Cerrone's eye was times eye. His face was a bloody mess way before that punch was even a thing. Um, no, Tony looked amazing. He he looked really really good. Right, right. Um, just uh, going back to what you said about Tony's fist being made of bricks. I, I, I don't think we saw a lot of it in the Ally Quinta fight or the Alex Hernandez fight, just because they didn't land very much. But like durability as of late has kind of been like. Okay, this is definitely an issue for Cerrone. Like he 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 does not take a punch like he used to. Um, at least not like physically. Like me- mentally, I think he takes it better than like back when he was in the WC. Um, I I think I think that's what just like this fight was always going to come down to like these guys are going to land on one another. It's just which one eats more. And which one is able to land at a better clip? Um, and that was always just going to be Ferguson because I don't think anybody fights at like Ferguson's clip except for like maybe Justin Gaethje. Like the the man just never stops, and the fact that he's thirty five years old is really like crazy, and he's still performing like this after like. How many knee injuries? Neck injuries. Neck injuries. Like, there's a dude who freaking gets on those yoga balls and hits them with a freaking sledgehammer, and he calls that training. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I can't even argue with him <laughs> at this point. It's working. <laughs> Joey sent me a thing where he was talking about how he goes in the sauna to lift weights and doesn't stop until his coach tells him to. Like, this man should not physically still be able to perform this way. He he should have been broken a long time ago. He is. There, there are just some people on this earth who are just cut from a different cloth, and he is just one of those guys. And also good on him, I especially noticed in the second round. He did a lot of a good job of, you know, he he does, does a lot of awkward, like, movement. But he slipped a lot of those punches or, like, would roll so that they wouldn't have, like, the full effect. Because I think Cerrone caught him with, like, a head kick that probably should have landed a lot harder. But he was kind of, like, rolled off to the side. So it kind of didn't have the full effect. Right, right. He angles out really well. Like, that and his hand parrying are, like, the only type of defense Ferguson has, so... Yeah, that, uh, that guy's he's different. He is a he is of another breed. Some people are just made to do the thing they do, and Tony Ferguson is just that guy. As I said, there are some people who go to places you simply cannot. 
and that entire second round felt like Tony Ferguson was fighting. Like, he, like he was fighting on a different plane of existence than Donald Cerrone. And um, it's worth remembering, like, around this time last month, like, he was in the middle of, like, a lot of public to-do about his family life. And it was like, he may not even fight again. Like, we don't know what's going on with him. And then they announced this fight, and it's, like, a month's notice. He's been out since October. You know he's training because that's all he does, really. And, like, the pace he put on and his instincts offensively and defensively were so spot on. There was one point where he threw a spitting back elbow. It caught Cerrone, and he was already ducking knowing that the counters were coming. So his back is to Cerrone, who's ripping combinations over the top, and Ferguson's so out of the way. And it was just so impressive. And he's just like, there's... I'm a Tony Ferguson fan. I've never hit that. I've, whenever I come on here, I talk about him. I lack words to describe him at this point. He's just like... He's... He's a... What do you call him at this point? Like, he's, he's just... He's made for this, in yeah. a way. But, like, Matt Brown's made for this. But Matt Brown isn't this kind of, I don't know, mm. athlete, this kind of instinctive fight. Like, he's Tony truly... He, he's truly one of those guys that I can say, like, you, you, people use it as cliche, but we've never seen anything like him. He's... He operates, like, on his own world with his own set of rules. <laughs> like, his own... His own everything. Like, he doesn't abide by the rest of the rules that the rest of us have to abide by. Like, he just, he bypasses them somehow. At the end of the first round, they have this insane minute-long exchange. And it ends. And Cerrone daps him up. And Cerrone's shouting something at him, and Ferguson's not even there. Right. <laughs> he's, not, he's, he's right next to him and not even in the world. And it's just like, you watch this guy, and you just... You Everything he did, I either owed to or was just like, it's like you can't do that. Like he did think he does things you cannot do, and not in an Anderson Silva sense where it's like all instincts. It's like, and I has mentioned this before. Tony Ferguson's will to like win and to just will things into existence is unparalleled. Like yeah, he's he's it it if you tape Tony Ferguson's arms behind his back and made him fight somebody, he'd find a way. Like, you just can't... Again, another one of those things you lack words for. Him and Cejudo had similar performances, but Ferguson was on a different level in terms of just, like... In terms of just the fact that, like, if he does not want to lose... Gary Sheffield used to say, like, if I don't want to strike out, I'm not going to strike out. Ferguson fights, like, if I don't want to lose, I'm just not going to lose. And nothing you can do is going to stop me. He's just weird in, like... Almost, like premonition sense like a savant i don't understand like i don't even understand him anymore like i think i think that's the word like he is a savant like, yeah because what else like could you see tony ferguson and like he was talking about his son and he's like i do this so my son will never have to do this and i'm just you get like he has to know like this is all i can do and it's just I, he came off the couch to beat donald cerrone on like a month notice with this kind of pace and cardio. I can't wait until he eventually gets the title shot in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
that's like Khabib. Like there are those moments in the Khabib fights where he can kind of just like he gets people to engage with him because they're like afraid of the takedown. Like against against Ally Quinta, he basically jabbed Al up, and against Connor, like he he wanted Connor to engage with him, and Connor was afraid because of the fact that you get taken down. I just wonder like what he's what Khabib's gonna do in the fourth round. When Tony Ferguson is salsa dancing his way over right. to him <laughs> with this blank stare on his face. Yeah, that ah, yeah, th- this made me want to see that fight so much more. But I, I'm trying not to get too excited because we, you know, the things we want in this sport just kind of never. It's just like he's a phenomenon. Like you know what the scariest part of this fight for me was, like in the post-fight interview. After Rogan spoken with uh with Don Cerrone, you see you Tony Ferguson just just standing there, and he has the thousand yard stare. Dude, like he's like Robbie fifth round Robbie Lawler every <laughs> moment. Like, I'm mad that he was talking mad about at like, himself. He, like you're talking about like he's not like he's really not there. And I mean, like, we don't mean this in a negative sense. We mean, like, this guy, fighting-wise, is not of our DNA. Uh, he is, like... I... I he's... I, I lack words, like... That's what I'm saying, like, I, I feel bad. This is, like, this is just, like, all audio, but, like, what can you say? He's in that category of, uh... I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. They... They categorize certain people as like aliens. Like they're so good at their that their craft that it's like you just can't be from here. Like you're too <laughs> you're too good at what you do. Like you know what's weird is like comparing him to Anderson Silva again, and I hate to do that, but like Anderson Silva was so good, but it was like nonchalant. Whereas Tony Ferguson literally seems so good because it's like he he just like his will to win is so unbelievably strong. And he gets, like, madder the longer the fight goes on. Dude was salsa dancing in the first minute of the fight. <laughs> right. He was already dancing against Donald Cerrone. And it's wild because I feel like it only... If I saw somebody else trying to do this, I'd be like, oh, you're trash. Somebody's going to head kick you into oblivion one of these fights. But for him, it's just, like, it works. Like, it's just... You can't emulate him. Nobody else can fight like this. And if you try, you're going to lose. You'll try one of those salsa moves and somebody's going to have you staring at the lights. But for him, it just, like, it just fits somehow. Yeah. I, I implore everybody to watch on the UFC Instagram him breaking down the Anthony Pettis fight. He just says stuff that, like, you, you can't compare. Like, I've never heard another fighter. He was talking about, like, how he knew that Pettis was cut open and he was describing, like, the different feeling between when somebody's bleeding on you versus when you're bleeding, and you're just like, what else could this guy do in his life? He's just, like, made for this at a level... He's made for this at a level that no one else has ever been made for this before in their life. Like, yeah, like... It's one of those things where, like, you know, how, like, a good... Like, a really great basketball player, like like a Jordan, is a terrible talent scout. Because, like, things... Because he looks for things in, uh, like in players that he sees in himself that they just can't do, that they just can't do, like right. that he assumes that they can do, and he can't put that into words. Like that's that's like that's trying to describe Tony Ferguson. Like 
it, like it's you, you can't verbalize what what makes Tony Ferguson Tony Ferguson. You just have to see it. Yeah. And and you immediately recognize that it's special. Yeah, like if you gave another fighter everything he does, but not like the Tony Ferguson-ness, it would just be like, oh, that's another fighter who's kind of unorthodox and a little different. But like he's so different in the way he approaches this and in the way that like, in the way that you just get the feeling, there's very few fighters who just, it feels inevitable. You know what I mean? Like, like that inevitability that he's just going to do this somehow. Right. right he's going right. to win. Yeah. And I can't compare it to any other fighter I can think of off the top of my head. God, like, Michael Jones he, has the weirdest fucking record. Like, when he finally loses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Anna Cool mentioned this, and I 100% agree. At some point, this stops. Like, it has to break. And it's like, like when like, it happens, it's going to. I almost feel like I ain't gonna say we should see it coming, like because nobody leaves. I mean, he doesn't have a perfect record already, but right. it's like he hasn't lost a fight since 2012, and, and that was like, only because he broke his broke arm. Broke his arm. <laughs> so it's like when he finally does lose, it's it's gonna be like I'm not even gonna be able to understand it. Like, how do you think? You think about the situations. Like the dude tore his ACL in April and was back in October fighting Anthony Pettis and somehow won. Like, you can only do that if your, like, mental strength is on a level uncomparable to anybody else around you. My lasting memory of him, I think it happened in that fight, where, like, he got rocked, and his, uh, instead of, like, clinching, he did, like, a James Bond roll. roll. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most Tony Ferguson thing ever. (laughs) Who does that? But um, yeah, that that was. We can talk we, about Tony Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he, he's 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 just not. He's a captivating. He's. He's you, an experience. Yeah, you'll never you'll never get another Tony Ferguson. You're not gonna get another one of these guys. You gotta yeah. you gotta watch this and appreciate it while it's while it's here because we we won't get this again. This this guy's just he's he's different. He he's on an operating on a whole nother plane than the rest of the world. But um yeah. Tony Ferguson defeated Donald Cerrone via TKO. Uh hope Cerrone's good because boy that eye looked uh pretty pretty wrecked. <laughs> but um moving on down to another fight that I was pretty excited to see. Uh Peter Jan versus Jimmy Rivera. Um poor Rivera man. Um Dude fought his ass off. Uh, yeah, this is one of those fights where you look at a guy and it's like, you did so good, but, like, it just wasn't, like, you were almost there. Like, you were so close, but it just wasn't enough. Um, Lots of good movement. I think he just did a good job of not being a stationary target because a lot of people fight Yon and just kind of get teed off on. And, well, he did have moments where he got teed off on. Uh. Unfortunately, they were at the end of rounds, <laughs> which was never a good time to get teed off on. But, like, he just a lot of good movement. He was landing a lot of good leg kicks. He actually was in times when they would have changed the pocket. It seemed like he was faster. He was landing good combinations. But then there were just moments where he had, like, the JDS syndrome where he would get caught with his back against the cage. And it's like, oh, Jimmy, don't do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> never get caught with your back against the cage. It, 
it's never gonna end well. Got rocked at the end of the first. Um, almost got finished. Then this deja vu in the second, where he gets rocked again at the end of the second, and it's like Jimmy, the cage, just don't. You you got to run away from that, buddy, because it's it's not doing you any favors. Like every time his back got caught against the cage, it was it was just a bad time. Um, but he fought like a really good fight, like definitely one one of Jan's tougher fights. Like I think he definitely really had to work for this one. But he just you just really felt for Jimmy because like this, this could have been a really big win, and it's like he was so close, but. Close but no cigar. And Petter Jan's left hand is crazy. Um, that left hand's really crazy. And that this was kind of this would be my last point. Kind of similar to um the Ferguson Cerrone fight. I felt like like Jimmy landed a lot of good shots, but I felt like Jan was able to just kind of I don't say brush him off, but like he was okay. But like when Jan would stand and actually plant and land, it felt like Jimmy was really feeling those. Like, I don't know. That 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 was kind of what I got, or at least what I, what what I saw. But um, Petrion continues to do Petrion things. Jimmy Rivera fought a really great fight, but just ugh, back against the cage, man. Never, ne- never a good time. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what it is about Tiger Showman fighters and just their inability to have cage awareness of any type. Um, you know, freaking Lyman Good gets backed into the cage, immediately gets taken down. Uriah Hall's entire career is a complete lack of just cage awareness and getting knocked out, circling to his right. Um... Chikagian. Uh, Chikagian, Burgos to an extent. Uh, not Burgos. Burgos is probably the only one who actually understands cagecraft. Uh, Arce to an extent. Um, just. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, y'all know by now I'm a, T, I'm a Tiger Showman's guy. Um, so it was sad to see Jimmy lose, but he he outperformed what I thought he was gonna do. Um, I I thought Jan would be like a really bad matchup for him, especially come off that fight with Sterling where he got off like zero offense. But I I, I was pleasantly surprised by how well he did. Um, Jan continues to just be scary as fuck to deal with. <laughs> like I I like just mind numbing pressure. So much power in a hundred thirty-five pound uh, pound frame, like, like talk talk about somebody who's made for this shit. Like, ugh, he's another one of those guys. He he's a fighter's fighter. He he is he is an absolute terror at bantamweight. Um, I I'm I'm trying to think. Um, who up the the division? I think like gives him an issue if like the things Rivera was able to do were an issue for him. And obviously, there's like Henry Cejudo and Marlon Moraes, but that'd be an interesting fight. Like, Could be. Like, how how does Moraes deal with Jan's pressure? How does Jan deal with the kicking of a uh, 
Elbaraj. Um, it, it was, this is a good fight. It's a really good fight. Um, and a good performance from Jan. And Rivera. Yeah, like on any other night, this is the fight of the night. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you got put on the same card with Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone, but... And I cool, and I guess Sensei you as well, of course. Um, remember how we always talk about how wrestling is the best base, and how if you're gonna be like a champion, you have to have wrestling first and foremost. Is wrestling changing into like a pressure game? Like if you cannot pressure with any sort of tenacity, like you just can't do it. Yes and no. Um, I'm trying I did... to think of a champion who does not have that kind of relentless pace pressure. Like, up until recently, I'd probably say Tyron Woodley. Um, he would be the obvious one. But then you have Usman, who beat him with... Yeah, nothing ridiculous pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of this comes down to just, like, uh, reckless aggression in MMA. Um, like... If you go on the regional scene, like the guys who are winning fights are the dudes who are just more aggressive, right? I think there's a certain point where, like, the. You don't want to be a Diego Sanchez. No, no, like, learning how. Yeah, you you don't want to be a Diego Sanchez, but, like, learning how to be someone like a Wonder Boy takes forever. It's much easier to take an aggr- like somebody who was aggressive in wrestling and teach them to be less aggressive, to, like to be more technically competent and less aggressive than is to take somebody and turn them into an outfighter, counterfighter. Because that takes years. Like, Anderson Silva was not, like, it took Anderson Silva how long to become the counterpuncher he was. Like, so I, I do think. You like currently you do need that type of aggression. You do need to be able to force the other your opponent to fight at your pace. But I think it that's more to do with like that. It has more to do with the type of fighters who come into MMA. Like like we we talked about this a little bit when that study came out about like how many, like, top 10 fighters were, like, NCAA wrestlers. It's just like, oh, yeah, a bu- like, there are way more wrestlers who come into the sport than there are, like, boxers or kickboxers or Muay Thai fighters or even, like, jiu-jitsu fighters. Like, that's just the way it is. So if you're going to enforce a wrestling game, you probably need to be pathologically aggressive, like a Kamaru Usman or a Kobe Covington to win rounds. If any, that makes sense. It's like a demeanor. Uh, it, it it also plays into like what gets favored on the scorecards. Right. Oh, that's true as well. Because like, um, I'm trying to think. Ed Ruth, uh, he was not a particularly aggressive wrestler in college. Like it was, his game was really defensive, um, and we've seen him struggle to change his demeanor in MMA. Like it, like it caused him to gas out trying to fight against um, Neiman Gracie and get ended up with him being subbed. And it, it, and like I I think there's something to the whole like just 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 the system that MMA enforces onto wrestlers in general. Because like 
Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of somebody who, like a wrestler who's not aggressive, who's not Tyron Woodley, who's not like always out here chasing takedowns. Because if you're not chasing takedowns, like what you're striking, and like if you're a wrestler, do you really want to be striking? I guess Johnny Hendricks in his prime. Like yeah. Right. But no, just because I, like not to cut you off, but like watching this fight, I just came to like that realization that MMA goes in ebbs and flows. We had the Jose Aldo, Henan Barrow, Anderson Silva, GSP kind of era where it was like, uh, you know, I don't want to work too hard. Like it was, it was the not too hard kind of fighting where guys were obviously competent and really really great but it wasn't like the pressure game was gonna win gsp was a little different he could do both but even gsp knew how to like lay off and relax and and fight at a pace that was comfortable i could not imagine like fighting peter yan and having to match that pace even as, as a small guy like if i was a 130 like as the 135 division his pace is just unreal and I don't know how you deal with that. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like an additional weapon. like Right. Because you need to be able to dictate. Because we, we've seen, kind of like with Marais, is you, you don't want to be that guy who, when the fight gets brought to you and you don't really know how to like deal with it. Like you just kind of turtle up in the moment. So you need to just be able to get in other people's faces and do that to them. So you're, <laughs> so you're not the one who's Right. You know, because yeah, it, it really it literally is like an, an additional weapon because a lot of people don't know. A lot of fighters don't know how to handle that kind of, you know, what what do you do? What is your mental state when it's round three? And it's like, Jesus Christ, this guy's still in my face, pawing his jab. Like, why is he not going away? Because did, did you guys watch this fight and think like at, at least at one point in every round, like it's inevitable that Jan's going to get him in the spot that he needs to get him in? Oh, yeah. But yeah, that, this is me watching Jan fight in general. I yeah. know, but I'm saying, like, those guys, like, those pressure guys, like, it, it, they carry that air of inevitability, like, with Tony Ferguson and, and Peter Jan and even Henry Cejudo tonight. It's like, at some point, they're just going to pressure them to where they need to be at. And I, that's all I could think of was, like, Jan fights with an inevitability. Mm-hmm. And as we saw, like, it didn't matter what Rivera did. At some point, he was going to slip up, and if you pressure and you hit hard... You're gonna put a guy in a bad spot, and on two separate occasions, he hit him really hard. And I have no idea how Rivera survived that head kick. So. It was at the end of the round. Well, I'm just, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean? I'm, he was alive. He, yeah. he refused yeah. to be knocked out by a head kick twice. That's, yeah, that's that's <laughs> it rolled back in his head. It was just. Yeah, fights like. Go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's like. Like I said, like it takes forever to be an out uh, like a learning the skills to top to stop like that type of aggressive fighter like that takes forever and like a lot of these dudes just don't have that type of background. And I I think that matters too. Like some of these guys come from countries where like you're not getting signed if you're not you're not surviving if you're not. Yeah. Like you know, Peter Yacht, like Khabib and and Zabit, you hear about what they saw and went through growing up it's like are you surprised that they fight like this so Jan is interesting I really like him I thought Jim Rivera had pretty much the perfect fight minus like five minutes of just really bad which weren't even bad just he was fighting a more talented guy I don't know what you do next with Jan if they're going to Russia and they're doing a big deal then 
he's got to be on that card somewhere. I just don't know where, and I don't know against who. Uh, well, I mean, um, I if they're going to make Cejudo fight Joseph Benavidez or um, Uriah Faber. Or Uriah Faber, I guess you can do the Aljo fight, but I don't think Aljo would be down for that. No. That would be really interesting, though, his defensive savvy against the endless pressure. Right. Or you can do Marlon Moraes, who needs to build himself back up. and But the UFC doesn't do that, so, you know, fuck it. Yeah. Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. I don't think Dominic Cruz lost that fight. The most obvious one is Lineker if he wins, but I don't know if they want that fight. <laughs> I feel bad because Cody San like Corey Sanhagen's out here, and we're not even acknowledging his existence right now. Mm. And he beat Lineker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that'd be a great fight. Yeah, like, that would, that would, it, it, would, it would be a great fight, but it doesn't feel like progression for Jan. Right. Yeah, it'd be one of those fights that's like, I would watch it. It would be really entertaining, but in the, in the grand scope of like, does this really push him closer to a title shot, or is this just a fun fight we wanted to make because it's just a fun fight? Right. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's been in the organization a year, and he beat Douglas Andrade, John Dotson, and now Jimmy Rivera. Like his his resume is unreal already. Like any other time in the division, that's probably good enough for a title shot. I like the I like the idea of the Marais fight. I think it's a good fight too. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. But we'll see. Either way, that yeah, like you said, that that pressure that he has, there's not gonna be a lot of guys. If Jimmy did anything good, even though he lost, other fighters, I think he gave him a, a small blueprint that maybe they can attempt to follow. Um, don't push your back against the cage, guys. Don't do that part. That He's... part doesn't. Yeah, he's so much better than Lineker at cutting off the cage. Yeah, that that part uh, that part will land you in some hot water. Yeah, mm-hmm. one one guy has a master's degree at it, and the other guy has like a GED. <laughs> <laughs> so like, because Lineker's good at cutting off the cage, but Jan never not gets a guy. Like even Dotson, who's pure speed, like he cornered him so many times. Like he's just freakish. Yeah, he's yeah that that dude. Yeah, he's. He a piece of work. That's what a proper boxing background will do for you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, proper boxing background and just like Wolverine esque DNA. See, not everybody's built like that. Some people uh can't coast the Wolverine DNA. <laughs> some some people got it, some people don't. But uh, that was uh Petriyan and Jimmy Rivera. Uh, Petriyan won on the scorecards via unanimous decision. And the last fight rounding out the main card, uh, heavyweights, which I thought was an interesting way to kick off the card because I was like, this can either go really great or really terrible. Blagoy <laughs> Avanov versus Tai Tuivasa. I don't have much, like, technically speaking, <laughs> breakdown of this fight. Big guys uh, hit each other hard. Yeah. And, and you know what? I wasn't mad at it. Like, you know, just two guys. It, it was It was a... A heavyweight fight. That's just kind of what it was. Two guys, we're going to stand in the middle. Uh, we'll hit each other really hard. At moments, we'll push each other against the cage. But I, I like the amount of engaging they did. You know, 
I know heavyweights can tire out fast, but I mean, I'll give both of these guys props. For a heavyweight fight, I won't complain about the pace, and they were both kind of slugging, and they both rocked each other a couple times, so I was cool with it. I'm not really going to, I won't poke too much fun at this fight. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't really have much of a technical breakdown, just I'm heavy, you're heavy, we punch each other. <laughs> who, who landed more? Who landed harder? And I guess Bogoy Ivanov landed more, landed harder because he won. Uh, I don't have much of a, a technical breakdown, but it was cool. I'm not, I'm not mad at the heavyweight fights can go much worse, so I will take this and I will be happy with it. Can we talk about how in the was the first round, Taito Ivasa got knocked down in the exact same way he got knocked down against JDS. <laughs> he's learning. Right. He's learning. He's learning he's, on the job. Right. He, he he literally jumped at Ivanov as he was against the cage and walked into a hook that dropped him. Like, come on. I thought you were going to talk about his guillotine defense. I, 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 it's 3.30 in the morning, man. <laughs> I, I yeah, lucky I'm making I'm making sentences like. <laughs> I mean, look, here's here's all you got to say about this fight, and then we can move on. Lugoy Ivanov fighting on its own is like a modern medical miracle. So he deserves every defi- every decision, because this dude almost died. This dude got stabbed in the heart. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like he he almost left our world. So. And he, for him to even make it to the UFC level is amazing. So I got nothing but respect for him. Absolutely. Australia needs to find a new guy because Tuivas is not it. Or you know, maybe make this let this guy take a step back. They tried. I mean, they did try. Like Ivanov, we know he's better than his record, but like Ivanov probably should be zero two in the UFC. They booked him like they thought he lost to Rothwell. So, I don't know. I mean, even then, Rothwell is still like a top 10 heavyweight. Good point. Good point. I don't know. Who could you have put Tuivasa against? The the problem is they're unwilling to, like... Once you you pass a certain point, they're unwilling to send you back. Right. Unless they're like Eddie Wineland. Yeah. Yeah. Because that... Could have kept Justin Willis around. Because that, in theory, means that they failed. Right. Because if they have to send you back, it means we picked wrong. Right, right. So they're just going to keep hoping that you pan out. But, I don't know. It's heavyweight. It's it's a mess. At heavyweight, all you can do is hope for the best. It's it's kind of a crap shot. Well, let's be fair, though. This was not a bad fight. Oh, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't at all, but, like... This is much more, uh, we're trying to figure out what we have with these two guys rather than, okay, we're trying to get this dude over for Australia. Right. Or Maybe they're or... going to Bulgaria. Yeah. Jeez. Well, like, I guess, because my first thought was Arlovsky, but he already fought Arlovsky. Hey, barely won that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. The tie to Vasa, you're 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 pretty young. Just outlive everybody. There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> just, See? Just 
You'll 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 be fine. Just just outlive everybody. You can fight Augusta Sakai for like ten years. There you go. <laughs> I just want to know what his like because they were talking like he trained primarily in Australia for this. I want to know what he did. I mean, he said he trained in Australia. So, did you see that video during during the JDS lead up where like he's in the gym hitting like not even like a like the pads like the kicking pads. He's like punching them. His entire team is around him just screaming. I think we did talk about this on the when we had to do that fight. Yeah. That was like the double fight night right after like Usman against RDA where I was dying. Yeah, yeah. So like I think that's his idea of training. I don't know, man. Just him, Mark Hunt, and a bunch of the boys in the jungle screaming at each other. It's Hit the it. worst line you've ever uttered in the history of this fucking fight. <laughs> it is absolutely not. Hey man. Warrior training right there. Now imagining Tim Curry finding him in Jungle to Jungle, like the sequel. <laughs> the worst. All right, oh, I, I, I've expanded my memory of this fight, which which was just Taito Ivasa running into a punch. Cormier was cage sided for this. He had to have been laughing on the inside. Like, this is the fucking division that I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, you know what? Before I forget, Cormier, good on the stick tonight. Like really he did good. not. He did not annoy me. Someone else did. Fucking Joe. <laughs> but like every, every time, every time I was about to post about like why are they ignoring so and so's offense, DC was right there. He's like, oh. Yeah, he was the counterbalance, wasn't he? Yeah. Pedro Munoz has been attacking with that uh, lead steep kick to the chest, and he's been landing it a lot. So yeah, he he did a great uh, a great job of the, of trying to keep some semblance of like reality. He's gotten so much better at that at that commentary. He's like really good now. And John and it continues to just shrink away to the point where I forget he's there. Yeah, yeah I kind of feel the same. But you know what? I think that's good because he used to annoy me, but now I just kind of like when I hear his voice, I'm like, oh yeah, he is there tonight. All right, yeah, like the UFC has their like I, I forgot it was Luke Thomas who talked to like production people who it's like the lead commentator is basically supposed to just feed the color guy endlessly and, and, and just not be there except for like the little moments. But now you have two other guys in the booth, so he's like reduced to nothing. Oh, we didn't talk about it, but can we talk about like the one moment where he got super excited where he thought Jessica I tapped. tapped out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got freaked out because he just screamed. I think I don't want to put words in his mouth. I really don't want to like. I think he kind of like. I don't know. Maybe like subliminally, he was just like, "I hope this fight ends soon." And so he got like overly excited at what looked like because it didn't even look like that serious of a quote-unquote tap, and she wasn't in anything. Maybe he's just used to seeing guys cramp up and tap out like the Anthony Pettis deal. I don't know, man. I don't know. It is what it is. Rogan, Rogan needs to. Rogan, this card was too leg hick heavy for Rogan. Oh, it's hurt. <laughs> it's just like he, he, we. Every time I'm on here, we talk about it. It's like he gets a little too amped up for leg kicks, and then has to contradict himself a minute later. Like, like as like Rogan is very easily impressionable. Potentially, yes, I suppose. I mean, if you've ever like just just fucking. Listening to him talk on his podcast, he's impressed by whatever's in front of him. And 
it, it's oh, it's always like very obvious stuff. I can't remember what fight it was where he's like, "Oh, that leg's cooked," and then Cormier's like, "No, nah, he shook it out." And then a minute later, Rogan's like, "Well, it's coming back now." It's like <laughs> if you just it's calling pro fights is hard, but like if you just calm down a little bit and not be the prisoner in the moment, you won't have to do that later. Yeah, Rogan Ro- Ro- gonna Rogan, but uh, that was the main card. Uh, I forgot what did we mention. Ivanov won via unanimous decision. Decision, yes. Um, so I guess we'll talk about some of the ESPN prelims, and then we can just kind of breeze through the fight pass prelims. Yeah. I don't care to talk about that Darren Stewart fight, but we'll go we'll get that one. We'll get I do that. have a point on that, but I can make it now if you want. It's just a little tidbit. Not nah, sure. We'll make it a footnote now, and we'll just get it later. <laughs> All right. What do you want me to do right now? Yeah. Okay, so Bavon Lewis lost to Darren Stewart. Uh, it was not a good fight. We could skip it now. Uh, fight pass, uh, not fight pass. The Contender Series has a flaw, and I like the Contender Series because it seems like something Anna Cole and I would do. You just put a bunch of fights together, and whoever looks athletic, you just sign them and think <laughs> like, oh, they'll grow into it. Exactly. They'll grow into fighting. So you just get the best athletes who finish fights. There is a flaw. The flaw is Dana. Well, tech, give or take. Well, I would probably make most of the same decisions. But give or take. If you fight twice and win, you're getting a deal. Guys who have fought twice and gotten a deal on the Contender Series are now 3-10 and 10 in the UFC. It doesn't work. And you can't do it that way. Like, if a guy fights twice, it's like, well, he fought twice. We have to give him the contract. Bavon Lewis was a dude who fought twice. He's now 0-2. Charles Bird fought twice. He's one and two. Um, Jody, uh, Jody Escabel. What is it? Jody, is it <laughs> Jody Escabel? What's the name of the dude? The flyweight. Oh, Joby um, Sanchez. Yeah. Joby, Joby Sanchez fought twice, got a contract. He was zero and two. Like just because they fight twice, you can't give them a deal. So they need to fix that because it's kind of killing the gimmick. So that's my only little tidbit. Darren Stewart won that fight, by the way. I said, yeah, I, I covered that. Yes, sir. Bring it back yeah. to the way we uh, fight. You got, yeah, I feel, I feel like that's our trademark at this point. We we, we, we shouldn't say who won the fight. <laughs> I said, I said who won the fight, but it, it was a fight in quotes. We, you broke the gimmick. I apologize. I broke kayfabe. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> now we have to record all over again. <laughs> I'm going to get another 1 a.m. message to do this bad boy. <laughs> that was that fight, so you guys don't hear about that when we get to that portion of the prelims since we have uh, given a little spiel. Uh, but moving on to the ESPN portion, uh, this was headlined by Tatiana Suarez and Nina Ansaroff. Um, pretty interesting fight. I was interested to see how this would play off if uh, Ansaroff ah, would be able to like fend off the takedowns. Uh, just interested to see who would be able to implement their game plan. Um, probably not the super dominant performance that some of us maybe thought it could have been, but you know Suarez kind of did Suarez things for the first two rounds. Um, was forced to stand a little bit, but eventually she would just <laughs> just relentlessly go for a takedown. Uh, she would take Nina down. Didn't really get off like a a ton of damage, but I feel like that was kind of like the one. Kind of more victory for Anzaroff, at least in the first two rounds. She did a lot better in the third. Well, like she got taken down, but it wasn't 
It wasn't like some of other Suarez's, some of other, yeah, some of the other Suarez fights where like he would take somebody down and they would just, like he would just maul them. Um, like Anzarov was kind of able to just survive better than some of Tatiana's other opponents. Um, third round, obviously, I don't think the Suarez get, I don't think he got any takedowns this year. No. Nah. So yeah, I think third, the entire third round was all on the feet. Um, and that was kind of interesting to see, and I think that was that was something I wanted to see, like how would Suarez react to win? Because you know it's easy to look good when things are always going your way, but how do you react when you, know, you meet somebody who will give you a little bit of resistance? And she got that resistance in the third round, and Anzarov looked pretty good, but you kind of had the feeling like you won this round, but you spent the first two rounds a lot on your back, so. You're not winning the fight, but I think it did show, at least for me, for Suarez, um, she's still really great, and I'm I'm positive she'll be a champ one day. But I think if she was to fight like an Andrade, she might be in some trouble. Um, because luckily for her, like Ansaroff isn't like a one. You know, not like she didn't have like one shot KO power, or you know, she she's more of an accumulative, you know, striker kind of. So I was just imagining that third round playing out against somebody who maybe has a little more sting in their strikes, to maybe could could have given her a lot more trouble, or like actually put her in like fight ending danger. Um, but still a good performance from from Suarez. Like she did pretty much what we thought she would do but in the third round probably the first time she's actually looked vulnerable um she was forced to stand she you know she's okay on the feet but you know obviously that's the area of her game that needs work but she still got the win nonetheless but it that the third round was interesting i think that that showed me kind of what i wanted to see from her to see how she would react and i, I think she'll eventually get to a title shot because she just keeps winning like it's just it's just gonna happen but i'm not so sure she beats uh andrage after after seeing that third round i, I don't know if i'm super confident in in picking her but, um still still not a bad performance nonetheless um yeah, joe you can go first because i have to recall this fight in my brain Oh man, I, I'm just thinking like when I when this fight happened live 17 hours ago, I uh, I was like I really wanted to hear your analysis of that third round. Um, uh, oh no, it, it was ter- like like so if if I'm remembering my thoughts correctly, because that's um, cause like you said this was fight was like 50 hours ago. Uh, right. So my first thought was oh wow. Suarez really doesn't have any type of footwork leading into her takedowns, meaning she's going to have to literally get pedal to the metal, 100 miles per hour, like gun on every single takedown. Nina Ansaroff um, was like, she up up to this point, most of the women that Tatiana has fought have fought are have been like smaller than her. Yeah. So you like like Vivian Pereira. Carla Esparza, uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper. Alexa Grasso is not big. Alexa Grasso, like, they're, they're roughly the same height and size, but, like, Tatiana's obviously more 
muscular and like stronger, more powerful. Defined. Yeah, like like Nina Ansaroff is like the first like big ish strawweight that um not even big ish, just big strawweight that um Suarez had to fight in the UFC. So that that was like the interesting part. Like could Ansaroff fend off the takedowns or force a strike on the feet? Took three rounds, but she did it. Um or I should say two rounds. Um, and we saw her tire out, which is something we haven't seen before. Um, like that, that third round was not good. Uh, I, 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 my, I, I think this is the point where my brain started to go. So, (laughs) but my, but I remember my thought process being, this wouldn't be an issue if she would literally just circle the other way and just meet her to get the takedown. Like, she's following her around the cage, trying to stay in front of her, as opposed to cutting her off and just diving on her hips. And it would probably be the easiest takedown she had gotten thus far, because the one she got in the first and second required her to literally, like, from five feet away, dive in and like run answer off all the way to the cage. So like more than like like I more I don't I don't think Suarez is ever gonna be like um a TJ Dillashaw like type striker where she's like, oh I she mastered both the best of both worlds. But like she could definitely be like a, a, a Damian Maya type and like force people backwards using her footwork and like a nice jab. And our, our our nice one too, I should say, um, and like they they should probably work on that more than anything else because that that was non-existent there. Uh, Joey, what do you got? I like I'm trying to find a way to 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 put it into words. I think it's fair to remember that Tatiana Suarez is still pretty green for MMA. Oh, yeah, she's like five years in. Yeah, like there's going to be a time where she's going to have a better understanding uh, of everything on the feet. But she needs to eschew some of those kicks for a jab in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Because her hands are not good. She's good She's good at controlling distance with kicks, but like a lot of them are awkward and kind of clunky looking. And... Yeah, she had that little, little side kick. Yeah, which... <laughs> Ansarov was like, like, really? Are you fucking kidding me with that? Like, she, she had a good understanding of how to get out of the way of that in the later rounds. Suarez is really interesting and really confusing at the same time. Like, they think she's going to be a big star. They did, like, 15 packages on her throughout the week. And I don't know, man. Like, there's something about her that just seems off. Which is weird because she's got a great story and she's a great fighter. And all the things you'd want in a superstar, but there's like a missing piece to the puzzle. And this fight felt like another case where there's just like the missing piece. Because her handiwork did not look well. And Ansaroff is another thing which Anna Cole didn't mention, but I, I kind of want to put some credit to. This was the first time where Suarez fought like a really good gym. And they had everything she was doing almost down to a science. Like, Nina Ansarov lost because she's not as talented, but she was pretty well coached up for this. So, you start thinking about, like, 
what what is Tatiana Suarez going to do if she has to fight Joanna? You know what I mean? Like, she has to fight Joanna. And Joanna's at ATT. Like, the same gym. But you get what I'm trying to say in terms of, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, how is she going to adjust to actually fighting high-level accredited serious gyms and coaches? Yeah. That, that third round, I think, showed us if she fights higher competition, if they even have a semblance of takedown defense, it might get a little, might get a little rough out there. Or if you have, or if you fight like again, like a Joanna who knows how to hurt you when you're trying to go for these desperation takedowns. Right. Uh, but she's still so green, like it's hard to judge her. Like I think she's got a bright future. She clearly won this fight, but they're talking like she's next for Andrade if she's healthy, and I don't know. I don't know. I think she might be one of those cases where she wins. Like, we know she's green, but she keeps winning. So it's like, all right, we'll just, you know, she keeps winning. So just we'll just give her the title shot because, you know, she's on the street. So we'll, we'll just ride the hot hand. Right. And she'll probably make it to the title shot. And to be honest, it probably won't go so well. And I think she'll be one of those fighters that she'll have she'll to have go to back, back to the drawing board, board and board kind of... I don't say reinvent herself, but you know, she's gonna have to fix a lot of tools in the shed. There's a lot to work with there. I'm yeah. with you. She might, she might need that one fight that kind of lets her know, like, all right, you can't just get by on this. You know, you're gonna have to fine tune some other things. Your wrestling is, it's great, it's amazing, but you're gonna need a little bit more. And she, she might just have to have one of those fights happen to her, to just kind of have her go back and retool, and then maybe. A year or two down the line, we'll be looking at a completely reimagined, you know, we'll have Suarez 2.0 <laughs> or something like that. Right. I just wonder, like, I don't want her to get Darren tilled. You know what I mean? Where it's like the right fight because the fighter's on a winning streak, but it's not, they're not ready. Yeah. So you, you kind of blow it. So, and I cool, Sensei, would you say that this is similar to Zabit Jeremy Stevens, where it's like two great rounds and then one sort of expose round? Yeah, this is it's actually kind of funny because I think Zabi has a lot of the same problems Suarez does. Where like, it, well, Zabi it's like excessive footwork, where like he t- he tires himself out because he doesn't have a good range finding tool. Right. Like, and Suarez tires herself out because she doesn't try to establish range at all. She she just tries to muscle everything. Um. And like, yeah, I, I think that's a perfect example of like what happened here with uh with Stevens and Zabi and uh, Answer Robin Suarez. But you need those kind of fights, though. You need those kind of fights. Oh yeah, for like, sure. You know that you're still like you're, you're good, but you know that like you're you're mortal. You can you can catch an L just like anybody else. Yeah. She, there's no way you go back to the gyms. Like obviously you're happy you won, but you know you look at that third round, and you're like, yeah, I, you know that didn't. That didn't go so well. I need to it, not let that happen again. And it is worth noting Suarez says that she hurt her neck in the first round. So I guess there's an excuse. Ooh. Right. So. Ooh. Like. Fuck. No. She had neck problems, right? I, I don't remember. I know she had, she had cancer at one point. She's a cancer survivor. Yeah, she had thyroid cancer. Ugh. So. Which is that thing that... Like, She's a cancer survivor, mother, like, you know, 
because it matters in MMA and combat sports, she's an attractive person. There's a lot to build with here. I just don't know why. I don't know how. From a promotional standpoint, I don't know how. From a fighter standpoint, just give her, get her a jab. Make her jab every day. Bring in Teddy Atlas. He like made Michael Moore a jab every day for like five hours. So. Okay, we'll we'll see. I mean, we're we're gonna be seeing a lot more of her anyway. She keeps winning, so <laughs> she'll she'll be back soon enough. You keep winning, they're they're gonna keep throwing you out there. So you're gonna have to learn one way or another. But I mean, anywho, great, good, pretty solid performance. Show some holes in her game, but hey, man, she's still winning, so. It, it is what it is. Suarez got the win via unanimous decision. Uh, moving on to men's bantamweight, Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, man, I love this fight, but it had me afraid at the same time. Um, it, it was another one of those fights where, like, Aljo was doing so good that I was almost suspicious. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like... Cause man, Aljo, Aljo looked really good, man. Just, just it, it. It seems like he's really finally like putting it all together. But like halfway through like the second round, I'm like, all right, he's doing too good. When is this gonna go south? I, I feel it. Cause Munoz is kind of a, another one of those guys. Like he just you hit him with everything, and he just kind of doesn't. He doesn't really leave. He doesn't really go away. And he was just kind of still there in Aljo's face. And I felt like there were moments where Sterling slowed down a little bit. And then Munoz started to get off. And I'm like, oh, no, here, here it goes. <laughs> this, this great performance is somehow going to get flushed down the drain. But um, l- l- luckily that didn't happen. Um, it was really hard for me because I didn't really know who to root for. Because I'm fans of both of these guys. But I've been enjoying this. Like last little, I don't want to call it a surge, but this this little run that Sterling is on, uh, I feel like what I thought he could be is like what he's becoming. Um, I don't know if that means he'll win a title. I think he's talented enough to to make it to a title shot. I, I don't know if he'll win it, but I, I think he's finally utilizing all his tools in the right way. And I remember some of his other fights that we watched, like there were some times where it just seemed like he, like something was like missing, like he just wasn't like all the way there sometimes. Like now I feel like obviously in this fight and probably obviously like his past two to three, he just fights, I feel like, with a lot more urgency, I guess is the word. Like he's more willing to go for it. He's more willing to take risks. He's being a lot more creative. And it's it's turning into wins. So I'm happy about that. This was a really good fight. Um, great job on Munoz, too, for just... That, that dude can take a shot, man. That dude has a... He has a chin on him. And um, But no, this, this was an awesome fight. But I'm, I'm really happy for Aljo. I've been enjoying this, this run he's been on. And I'm, I'm interested to see how far he can go. Yeah, um... When the Munoz, has he ever fought someone who he hasn't hurt? <laughs> he hasn't like, hurt. Oh, I thought you were gonna follow up with with what I thought you were gonna go for. No, like he, he forget. It just seems to hurt everybody he fights, except maybe John Dotson. 
but I don't remember that fight too well. He might have like kicked him in the stomach and got him to double over in pain, like he did Sterling for a second. Um, yeah, no, like all around like solid performance from Sterling. Just stayed disciplined, uh, knew what he wanted to do, did not get drawn into extended firefights with Munoz, um, like the Brian Kelleher. Um, it's just not the most like prettiest of stri- like boxing from Sterling, but very effective considering his like his uh, frame for the division. Lots of like looping stuff from the outside. Um, it, he's he's more fluid. Like it's just it, it, like it's just really good to see him be comfortable. Um, with his kickboxing, because that's always been the issue. It's never like even back when he lost to Art, uh, uh, not RDA, uh, Afiel Asensio. Like the big problem was he just didn't throw. It wasn't that when he threw, like when he threw, it was fine. But like there were just long stretches where he would just sit back and watch the other person work, and that's how he would lose rounds. Um, here he looked good, like he looked confident. Um, that's really all he needs to be to be successful. Um, so, you know, props to him for finding that confidence. I only have three thoughts that I can remember at this point. One is that Sterling finally fought like a guy who looked around at his division, realized that everybody is finishing everybody and he needed to kind of up it a little bit offensively. Two, this was the best performance I think I've seen of him in a long time. Uh, even when he was finishing guys like uh, like Cody Donovan, not Cody Donovan, the whatever, the the dude he knee barred, <laughs> Cody Stamen that he knee barred, uh, like this felt like the most complete performance, and I feel like Munoz was the right opponent to bring that out. So I'm I'm big on Sterling. I'm back on the Sterling bandwagon. Uh, and three, Pedro Munoz tried to hit his spot again, and I I need this every time he fights. Dude, you're going to get it every time he fights. It just hurt Sterling, and his first instinct was, I got to hit my finisher. <laughs> fucking got to get my Listen, spot. Man, do, do, do you really win a Mortal Kombat fight if you don't do the fatality? Like... Just, basically, <laughs> he's just like Scotty Too Hotty, like, fuck, I got to hit the worm. <laughs> gotta get that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera would be a great fight, except I just remembered they fought. And I think if we're talking about stuff for Marais to do, if you're not doing the title fight, Sterling versus Marais too would be really interesting. So, we'll see what they do. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I like uh, I like where Sterling's headed. I like the, the trajectory. It's looking positive. Like I said, I, I don't know how far it's going to take him, but for, for these last like three to four fights, so far so good. So, uh, Aljamain Sterling got that win over Pedro Munoz, being unanimous decision. Uh, moving down to women's strawweight, Alexa Grasso versus Carolina uh, Kavlokovic. I'll, I'll keep this kind of sweet and short so we can kind of breeze through the rest of this. Um, Alexa Grasso laid hands upon hands <laughs> <laughs> upon hands. I, when I saw this matchup, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun because... Grasso will get the show off her hands because Carolina's not going to be shooting for takedowns. 
And Carolina's really good when she starts like getting her combinations going. I'm like, this is gonna be a awesome back and forth scrap. And boy, was it just Grasso jabbing and one twoing and just <laughs> just unleashing hands all over Carolina for the better part of three rounds. Um, I didn't think this was gonna be such a slacking because Carolina caught a lot of pause in this fight and. I didn't think it was going to be so... Grasso looked really, really sharp. And I, I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised because, like I said, with, with no threat of a takedown, you knew Grasso could get off. But she even looked better in the clinch where I thought Carolina would, I guess, have the advantage, but that wasn't true. Um, Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you would think that'd be the one area where Carolina would really get off. And even in the clinch, she got blasted like Grasso won every second in area of this fight pretty much um but it made me feel good I loved her in Invicta and I'm glad that th- this reminded me of some of her Invicta informances like th- these were the hands that I wanted to see <laughs> when she came over to the UFC um so props to Grasso man this this was a just, just hands upon hands it, it was it was fun to watch yeah, she has struck her like three to one or something um, on significant strikes. I have a question for you guys. Uh, yeah. How much did, how much do you think this was uh, Alexa Grasso finally finding her footing versus her uh, versus Karolina Kovalkovich finally just falling off a cliff because you probably shouldn't be eating that many punches, even that woman's straw weight. You want to go first, Sensei? Uh... I gotta give Grasso credit. I go like sixty forty. Hey, no, no, no. I'm gonna Grasso more credit. I'm gonna go seventy thirty. Mm-hmm. I'm going in the opposite. I was actually gonna ask, like, did Carolina come back too soon from getting KO'd by Andrade? Oh, absolutely. Because she that, fought, that, she got KO'd in September, and then she fought Waterson in March and didn't look too hot, and then she came back in June and fought. I mean, Alexa Grasso. Like, did she come back too soon? Yeah. Yeah, like she, she, like she looks physically spent, and she's like, she's only thirty three. Frail. She looks frail. Yeah, like, like, and she was never super physically imposing, or but she, she could keep a pace. Like she was tough, and she can keep a pace. That's that's the reason she got a title fight. You think after the Andrade KO, like she just wanted to get one back? Like so bad, like that just left a really bad. I I think it fucked with her brain. We're like, okay, I I I'm, I'm not the durable, like I'm not the Iron Woman that I thought I was. And now punches seem to hurt more. It's now, possible because all I can remember is like she did like an Instagram video after she got KO'd. And, like, you could tell she was crying throughout it. Mm. Like, giving her, like, I'm okay, don't worry about me. Like, but she was, like, emotional about it. And I, I just think she came back too soon. Too yeah. soon, and, like, these are not the kind of fights for her. Like, the Waterson fight was a fight I really thought she should have won. Like, on paper. Right. Not, not in actuality. Like, no, I agree. And she just, she did not even look there. Yeah. Um, like... And I, I want to give Grasso all the credit in the world because, like, this is the Grasso who beat Mizuki Inoue. Like, 
And I, I think she did a lot of things to improve. Like we saw like a lot less hesitancy. We saw um, more, she was more physical in the clinch where she would bridge and throw these knees. But like, I can't help but think if this was the same Kovalkiewicz that fought Rose Namajunas, she probably wins the fight. Or, or it's a closer fight, I should say. No, 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 that's 100% accurate. And like mentally, as I'm thinking about it, like, this is the same woman who beat Rose Namajunas and who hurt Yoan and Tech at least once. Like, and there was like none of that in this fight. Like, her her volume was gone, like completely gone. And you know, part of that's getting punched in the face. Right. And like, I, I can't remember the stat, but I want to say um, Grasso threw something like twenty four significant strikes a minute. Jesus. Yeah. And um, even, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. So, like, you know, take that into consideration when you could, when we're talking about like Kovalevich's dip and activity. But like, Kovalevich is always somebody who would throw when somebody was throwing at her, and yeah. there was a lot less of that here. Even in April of 2018, she was outstriking Felice Herrick. Exactly. She got, she got hurt in that fight, but like, she was still. She was still active as hell in that fight. But since the Andrade KO, she's a different woman. And I think she rushed back. So, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I don't know what you do with her now. Like, she could fight Angela Hill, but I don't trust her to fight an Angela Hill. Tisha right. Torres, maybe? She, they said on commentary she was trying to make one last title run before she goes have a baby. I say just go have the baby. Yeah, the baby. yeah, I was gonna say you might go go have the baby, get some of that Cerrone inspiration. <laughs> come back a new, <laughs> come back and rip off like four KOs. And I, I think what sucks about it is Carolina seems like such a nice woman. Yeah, I, 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 I have to put on her team. Like, yeah, I would agree. Like not not even just like the coming back early stuff, but like, th- like it just seems like they leaned really heavily on her durability, yeah. as opposed to developing like a real system for her. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't really seem like since the Andrade fight she's made like adjustments. Like yeah, like she's she's like the same. This is the same Carolina, which I mean she's still talented, but it's like you know, like th- th- that's the thing though, like. Carolina, like, it never seems like she comes in with a game plan, which is why she always loses, like, the first round. It, it feels like she goes into the cage and she tries a bunch of different things, you like, testing out, like, her, her chin in the process. Yeah, you, you go back to that Andrade fight. She looked overwhelmed, like, immediately. Which is Jessica Andrade, but, like, everybody knows the blitz is coming. She looked like she had no concept of what was coming her way. Right. Which led to the big finish. So, like, her, like, she, she should have been spending the, like, ever, ever since the Rose fight, she should have been spending her time, like, actually developing a skill set to benefit her talents. Like, she's long. She can set a really good pace. Um, she, uh, she's, she was a pretty good clinch fighter. Yep. But for whatever reason, they 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 were like, no, just being able to take a punch and give a punch is gonna be good enough. 
And maybe that just goes to show like she's not with a really good team over there in Poland. Like I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. So uh, I think she's no. been with the same coach for like years now. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna get better overnight. Might or... be time to shake things up a little bit. Now, now, just to be fair to Alexa Grasso, like, because I feel like I kind of buried the lead there with her. She looked great. I just, I just need to be, I need to have some confidence that she can muffle some people. Because these fights, like I say all the time, these women's MMA fights are gonna find their way to the cage. And you gotta be strong enough to get out of those spots. And I just like, I need to see it. Like, I need to see her to be able to get out of some of those situations that I haven't seen it yet. Right, and uh, she managed to get out of a few here. Like, I really like the bridging she was doing. Where more than technically, it just seemed like she was just like, I don't want to be in this position. I'm going to now bridge and throw like five elbows. Derek Lewis, it's got to have that Derek Lewis. I'm just not going to go there mentality. Exactly. Right. But um, like I, I think I I, I think Karolina Kovalevich is just depleted goods at this point. Right. So I'm not and, sure how much that's worth. Yeah, no, like I'm because I was with you. I was watching it, and actually, I, I'm a big Alexa Grasso fan, and I wanted to be like, oh, she's turning the corner, like Irena Adana is turning the corner. But just watching, I just felt so bad for Carolina. She looked just like... She looked two times her age. Yeah. She looks visibly aged. That's what I'm saying. Like she, like, And we're going to talk about someone else later on who kind of has that same thing going on. But she just looked tired. Like, she needs a break, I think. Carolina, go, go. Go have that kid. Yeah, go have. You, she, and she seems like a great person. Yeah, oh, by the way... Russell Watterson, how do we feel about that? Uh, I mean, I feel like that would be a fight where she could potentially get pushed up against a cage. So <laughs> that's all well, Michelle can really do. <laughs> like, realistically, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of clinch fighting. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you you you'll get to see what you wanted to see. <laughs> so. Who would you Who would you have in that? You two? Hmm. I don't know. I might. Uh... Somehow I could see Grasso doing good, and then somehow Waterson tossed her on the head. Yeah, like I, I can, I can see Waterson finding her way to her back. Yeah. Grasso makes it competitive, but I, I think she loses. Like if I, I can see if Waterson can get um Casey, not Casey, uh Torres down, I, I can see her getting Grasso down. Yeah. So. That's where my mind's at. That fight draws some money, man. I'm pushing it. That's what I want. <laughs> Torres right. Watterson. No, no, no. Watterson has to go fight Andraj. Are you kidding me? Dana White came out and was like, no, that's the wrong idea. Like, no, I think he, no, I think no, he, no, no, no. I think he walked no. into the Endeavor offices and was like, and they were like, are you fucking crazy? No, and no. She has, she has to fight for the title. They put it in my mind. <laughs> now I need to see Michelle Waterson fight Jessica Andrush. Why? What do you have against Michelle? Michelle Waterson has kids, man. I mean, yeah. They, they need to see her. They need to see her overcome. Boy, she is gonna go for one of them judo throws, and she's gonna catch a zangy slam. And <laughs> <That's> it's... <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's it's all fun and games until you take a Death Valley driver. Yeah, life is gonna happen fast, but. This conversation uh, was like 
This is like a eulogy <laughs> for Carolina's career. I feel so bad. But Anna Cool's on the ball, I think. I think she's just cooked. Which Happy. sucks, because she was a very talented fighter at the time. Like, It's also a combination. I think the division's kind of catching up with her. Like, <laughs> I was going to make a comment about that. Like, Does it kind of feel like Strawweight's getting out of the try-hard stage? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we've got some Strawweight's deep, man. Yeah. There, there's a lot of... <clears throat> there's a lot of smoke to be had at straw there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good going on i mean the champion is the ultimate tryhard but no I, like yes i think she's surprisingly athletic though no 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 like she she's the athletic <laughs> tryhard okay let's see she's the tryhard who doesn't have to try hard yeah she's the wind up toy Exactly, <laughs> but like you get the like Michelle Waterson has come into her own as like a, a grapple, a top, a top side grappler who has you know the uh, a, a deep enough kickboxing arsenal to be dangerous enough on the feet. Right. You got Willie Zhang who is just a tank. You got you know Yoanna Yanjechek who. For all intents and purposes, still like number two, three strawweight division. Rose Nama Yunus, Jessica Andrade. Um, I, I think Nina Ansaroff is a better kickboxer than Carl uh, Green at this point. Right. Um. So like, you know I, what I, might be best for Carolina? Flyweight. KSW. That too. Like, the UFC run was good. She got a title shot. But maybe she just needs to take some easy fights. And, you know, in Poland, pop her a few ratings and then just move on. She was the champ there, wasn't she? I don't remember. Yes, she was the flyweight champion. And she beat uh, Simona Sokupova and Jasminka Saiv. Did you look look that up or did you get that off the top of your head? Uh, No, I looked it up. Are you kidding me? I was about to say. You pulled those out of the sky. I'm trying to think of who Carolina could even fight at 125. I I, I do remember her being champion because I remember, like, the Polish Twitter MMA guy being like, oh, yeah, no, Carolina's huge in Poland. She's way bigger than Joanna Janjacek. And then they did Joanna vs. Carolina, and it did, like, 63 viewers flat in Poland. Yeah. I'm trying to think who Carolina could even fight at 125. Uh, Montana de Rosa could be Paige. I'm just naming name. Paige is Paige is gone. <laughs> gone, but never forgotten. And she's do she has arms. Uh, what is she getting surgery on her shoulder? Arm surgery again on like the third time on that arm. Oof. I was gonna say Macy Barber, but uh, the whole point was to get her an easy fight. Yeah, Barber would choose. Um, Mara Romero Barella. They're like Jessica I. Like any any of these girls who are just going to like come after her, but with like wrestling, not like yeah. ground and pound or whatever. We want her to have an easy fight where she doesn't take any damage. Technically, no ground and pound. Like all Carolina fights are under Metamorphos rules. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, Does that mean they don't get paid? Mm. You're a real troublemaker. <laughs> you <know that? laughs> mm. 
You're a real troublemaker at 420. The bomb is dropped. <laughs> all fun and games, 420. It's all fun and games until the court says that you're not supposed to get paid as a BJJ competition or person. Well, what's the other one? Submission underground. It could be under submission underground rules. I, I, what's Eddie Bravo's one where they're allowed to like slap each other in the face? No, but I don't want her to get hit. Like, can we just do this whole thing so that she couldn't get hit? You think the slap's gonna trigger PTSD? Right. What if it's a complimentary fight? She just compliments. Like her and Roxanne Montefiore can just compliment one another. And... There you go. Oh, dude, they would do Antonina Carolina. Oh, they would. That beats. Uh, I mean, Antonina's not gonna hurt nobody. Let's be real. No, but then I'd have to listen to poor Carolina get hit too. Yeah, Valentina's, Valentina's gonna be in that corner going off. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to feel it. I'm not interested. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that fight. Lexa Grasso put hands on Carolina. It's a good thing we talked about guys not being there anymore because we got Ricardo Lavas up next. Oof. Um, I was say, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I was ready to just run through these last five. Well, we just we can just talk real quickly. Ricardo Lavas got knocked out. Yeah. Bait. Great setup by um, Calvin Gator. Just Gator's really good at like range. He has some of the best setups off his jab in MMA right now. Like no joke. What he did to um Shane Burgos and what he did here, just like Feely. He did the same thing to Andre Feely, but did not come out. Yeah, exactly. He did a nice little like kind of pump the hand out there. Came over with the left. Killed Lamas with the right. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Shots to Ricardo how... Lamas, who's the who's like the, the like old school Uriah Faber style. I'm gonna throw one punch at a time, and hopefully it'll be the punch or strike that lands. Because. I think he, he did rock cater in this fight, didn't he? Or he am did. I remembering it wrong? I know he kicked his legs a couple times. Somebody got jabbed and wobbled. I think that was Lamas. Dude, he, not j- he, he jumps a lot. That's only something I've noticed, like, recently. Like, he jumps into everything. It's really weird. The violent man, Mr. Cater. Yeah. No, yeah. Lamas, I think, needs to, uh, uh, in the words of House of Pain, pack it up, pack it in. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's time. Yeah. Unless I, you're just gonna give him like unathletic Darren Elkins types. I mean, Diego Sanchez is still out here. It's a good point, but that's but that's 155. Right. 70. There's a there's a cushy like Mickey Gall level ground on those levels. Not quite so with one one forty five. Remember when Ricardo Lamas was like the co-main event of a pay-per-view once? Yeah, with Jose Aldo. That was there. Oh yeah, that was that was the. That was Newark. It, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All the fights went to decision, <laughs> except the favorite Burrell fight, which everybody hated because they thought it ended early. Frank Mir and Alistair Overeem had a snuggle bunny fight for a little bit. They just kind of cuddled up to one another. Yep, they hugged. It, 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 it was the birth of Econo Reem. Um, yeah. 
Those were those were <laughs> those were interesting times. Those were, <laughs> we're speaking about it like it's like a nom era. It's like four years ago. Yeah, but I felt like the sport it still seems so different now. Like, dude, Dominic Cruz came back and then had a three year sabbatical at that time. <laughs> Jesus, that's a good point. Man, but uh, yeah, uh, dude, I'm still thinking about the Carolina conversation. We need to play like taps. Dude, we've talked about CM Punk more than we've talked about Dominic Cruz on this freaking podcast. Jesus, that—that's well, how long Cruz has been gone. And he's well. Hey, listen, Henry Cejudo laid out the carpet. Hey, did you see the tweet? By the way, you probably did because we've been recording. Where Cejudo and Cruz are on the desk together, and they're just kind of talking about fights. Like, do you like if they would fight one another? And Dominic Cruz just casually goes, "But I'm still recovering from shoulder surgery." So, so it's like you're not even healthy enough to pretend to fight this guy. <laughs> when did you hurt your shoulder? By the way, we heard it was your arm. <laughs> broke his arm. <laughs> Cruz reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember the osteoporosis commercial they had, where like the old dude goes out to get a wheelbarrow and his arms rip off immediately when he grabs it. <laughs> he's he's very injured at this point. <laughs> we're uh we're two hours and forty in. I missed the goal. <laughs> so we gonna just run through these last uh four. We did Lewis already, so we only got three. Oh yeah, only three, yeah. We mentioned that. Uh so and I Jean- didn't see one, so uh Zhao Nan Yan uh defeated Angela Hill via unanimous decision. Uh pretty fun, like back and forth kickboxing fight. Um you know, worth rewatch if you you're interested. Uh, we already mentioned Darren Stewart beat uh, Bevan Lewis. Uh, Eddie Wineland defeated Grigory Popov via TKO. Uh, Eddie Wineland came out with the power of his mustache, threw some hands. Uh, it's a pretty entertaining fight. And the last fight was uh, Caitlin Kuchigian against Joanne Calderwood. Um, I don't remember much of that fight, to be honest, but Kuchigian won. So, uh, Joe Rogan was bad, that's all I can tell you. Actually, I, uh, Joanne's another woman who looks so aged. Hey, she looks. Yeah. It's all the mic cuts to one fifteen. Could be. You had something to say, Sensei? Were you gonna drop? I was gonna say. See, I remember her looking like decent in her last fight. No, she looked really good, but she's just like, there's no. I think she's like lost the pop. And like the sizzle to her offense, so it's a lot more fundamental, and uh, that can work against Sabrina Mazo, who I think was a little bit more state—not Mazo, whoever she fought—who was a little bit more stationary. But against Caitlyn, she just couldn't get a bead. Rogan lying to the viewers about her being down 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, UFC 238. Um, it was an awesome card. It really was. Top to bottom, like the only the only fight that was kind of a snoozer was the Darren Stewart, uh, Von Lewis. Like every other fight on this card was pretty entertaining in one way or another, and especially once you made it to like the ESPN prelims, like it was greatness from there. Like it was, there was a lot going on. Like even the fights that went to decision were still great fights to watch. So everything from the Wild head kick from Shevchenko 
to Cejudo being double champ, to Tony Ferguson doing Tony Ferguson things. There was a lot going on on this card. It was really awesome. I'm interested to see just where a lot of these fighters go from this card. It, it was... I anticipated this being great. On paper, I was excited for a lot of these matchups, and I felt like I got my money's worth. I actually did pay for this, and I felt good about my purchase. So, good job. On uh, any other night, four of these fights could have won fight of the night. Yeah. Popov, Wineland, the Bantamweight fight, uh, Jan, and obviously Tuivasa, you know, Blagoy uh, could have been a fight of the night for the last. Blagoy will never live up to the Josh Copeland fight. This <laughs> you see, that was some real jiggly ban- uh like bangers shit. Listen, I'm not taking this shit from you at 4.30. Dude, I'm that serious. <laughs> Ivanov against you guys are gonna have to tallow me down if he fights Shamil Abdurakimov. I'm gonna be out of control. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm gonna ask you about that infatuation, but this will not be the podcast. It's not an infatuation. He's just like a like when I'm his age, I'm going to look like Shamil Abdurakimov, <laughs> so it's like rooting for my future self. <laughs> For Andy Ruiz. Uh, for some of us, I suppose. There you go. Andy Ruiz is a hero. That, that's the main takeaway from this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That and Anna Cole and I are really sad about Carolina Colgage. Hmm. And I'm, Sensei is sad about Marais, so it's just a really sad podcast overall. Uh, I mean, the, the fight game ebbs and flows, and most of the time, the, it, the, the flow was just sadness. Perpetual sadness. Y'all, we all can't get what we want. Ever. Ever. Yeah, that's that's what the sport has taught me time and time and again. And I, I always try to think one day it'll be different, but uh, it's hard to be. Go ahead. Uh, paraphrasing the great Brian David Gilbert, as as MMA fans, isn't that what we want? To be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not disappointed. Tony Ferguson fought. I'm just I mean, sad now. Because he's gone. Because he he's gone for like a, another six months. It would not surprise me if he fights two weeks from now or twenty years from now. And he still wins at sixty-five years. <laughs> <laughs> he still wins. The photo that they have of him on Wikipedia makes him look like he's fifty, or made out of wax. I can't tell. <laughs> he's gonna have bone on bone in his knee. And like a cybernetic neck, and he's gonna be 63 still fighting and beating people. Hey, he's man, gonna I'm... be down in Nicaragua just like fighting dudes, like <laughs> like Ricardo Mayo. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Tony Tony Ferguson 30 for 30. I'm all. I'm all... There's so many 30 for 30s I want to see. I'm, I'm all for it. What if we never get to the point he needs a 30 for 30? Good point. I'm trying to think of what the opening line would be besides, like, what if I told you this guy was, like, the weirdest fighter of all time? (laughs) (laughs) What if I told you this man's name was Weirdo Tony? (laughs) Listen, man. If we're going to be... There's no point of us being on ESPN if we're not getting some good 30 for 30s out of this. There's absolutely no point. Weirdo Tony. Weirdo Tony. Is that what he's known as in the neighborhood? There's, like, a barbecue... (laughs) 
like, fuck, weirdo Tony's guy. Yeah. Like, no one believes he's a pro fighter. Because <laughs> he's like, this man obviously has no idea what he's doing. He, he's, he, he's lifting weights in the side of He's going to show us his medicine ball thing he does, where he stands <laughs> on it and throws punches. Oh, boy. He I think is. he, like, I don't think that story got proper credence, by the way. Like, he literally talks about how the reason why he doesn't break is because he would go into a sauna with Brock Lesnar at death clutch, and they would give him 45-pound weights, and he was told to never put the weights down until, like, his coach told him to, which I, apparently I, was, I like, 30 minutes. death clutch. Well, there you go. That makes so much more sense. Everything makes so much more sense when you say that. <laughs> and he specifies that he couldn't run away, because it, like, even if he wanted to, because it's in the middle of nowhere. They're just chilling out on, like, Brock Lesnar's front lawn. Because <laughs> the gym was literally on his property, and Tony Ferguson was the only not heavyweight there. Jesus Christ. This dude so he, was just, he was just training with, like, Pat Barry and, like... Cole whoever, Conrad. And Cole Conrad. Jeez, Cole. I'm just, ima- I'm just imagining Tony Ferguson in, like, the dead heat carrying Cole Conrad on his back across, like, an acre of land. And then having to run him back. Oh my god. No wonder this motherfucker is just built different. Imagine if your only training partners were like 150 pounds bigger than you. I mean, Brock was manufactured, so Tony was like a side experiment. (laughs) He was the left over. (laughs) Let's see what we can do with this. uh, I'm just imagining like how, like, could you imagine you're a teacher and Tony Ferguson comes in for parent-teacher conferences? Like, just, there's no way. There's just no way he's, like, there's no way that Tony Ferguson is not looking to fight somebody every single minute of the day. He's just... I would never fight him in a street fight. You see a guy come up and he starts, like, shimmying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, bro, you you can take the wallet. It's fine. (laughs) I'm I'm just, like... You're a, you're getting online. He cuts you off. See, Tony 20... Ferguson is not robbing you. He's no. just fighting you. <laughs> he doesn't even take anything. Like he just beats you up. He gives you the wallet back. Like he's, Tony Tony Ferguson only exists in reality when he is fighting. Oh, so when he stops fighting, he ceases to exist. Twenty five. <laughs> His last fight, when he goes to retire, like, he takes the gloves off, and he just, like, disappears. Like, like his body. No <laughs> his body just fades. I'm just <laughs> thinking about Tony Ferguson, like, Godzilla at the end of all the movies, where he just wades back into the water until the next <laughs> No, hands... he goes back to the woods where he came from. I was going to say, like, his hands cross his chest, and he just sinks into the octagon. Like he just, <laughs> he, 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 he just sinks in. His spirit will come out when he's ready to fight again. Oh my god! <laughs> so like, there's like the MMA nice guy, whatever. Like, there's got to be like the MMA woods where like Tony Ferguson, Rory McDonald, fifth round Robbie Lawler. They just all reside. It's like the horror woods. <laughs> Oh, oh, man. That was a... I will never get the image of Tony Ferguson sinking into the canvas. <laughs> he turns into a puddle of ooze. <laughs> I need somebody to draw this for me. Oh, man. 
But uh, <laughs> that was UFC 238. It was awesome. It was great. It was amazing. Go back and watch it if you did not get the chance to. Um, it is it's it's worth every second. But uh, with that being said, we can go ahead and uh, close with parting shots and shout-outs. Uh, my only shout-out is going to go to Brandon Moreno, who uh, isn't in the UFC anymore, but he's over in LFA now. He fought at LFA 69 on Saturday. Uh, sorry, on Friday night. And he is now the flyweight champion. He had a fourth-round finish over, uh, let's say this gentleman's name, Michael Perez. Um, so shout-out to Brandon Moreno. Glad he's found success in LFA. You know, LFA is normally a springboard, so I don't know where he'll, you know, what other organization will pick him up if he's staying at flyweight. But I'm just happy to see he's active. He won a fight. He's got a belt, so mm-hmm. I'm all I'm all for that. So shout outs to uh, to Brandon Moreno. Yeah, um, uh, we didn't talk about it, but Victor FC 35 went down this past Friday as well. Uh, so there's some really good performances from like some prospects who we hope and kind of need to turn out to be good. Kanago Kanago Morata took a got a first round submission win over Leanna Pearson. Uh, Bantamweight Lisa Spangler beat um, tough uh, tough veteran Katharina Leonard. Caitlin Young came back, got a third round stoppage win over Faith McMa. And Nick Diaz, um, pro, Nick Diaz Academy protege Chelsea Chandler stopped Brittany Victoria in the third round of those strikes. So it was a good card. If you didn't see it, go watch it. There we go. Yeah. Your turn, Joey. Huh? You got anything for us, Joey? Shout out to my bed. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all, uh. Shout out to, actually, shout out to the WWE guys who opened up charities causes during this uh, past week, which has been rather hectic. Terrible. But basically, but good on the guys who opened up some charities and, and donated their time and money to good causes. Always a good thing to do. Uh, I wonder if we parting shot Stokes if he would if he would listen this far. I think Stokes is like one of the three people who actually listens to the whole podcast all the way through. What a hero. Alright, well, I guess shout outs to Stokes then. Because Alex, Alex is not getting this fucking far in. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting 26 minutes in before he realizes I'm not mentioning him and then it's over. <laughs> 26 minutes in before he realizes we haven't started talking about MMA yet. <laughs> hey man, that's, that's why I put timestamps. There you go. On the episode, so you know, if you guys want to skip the the random banner, well, that's kind of sprinkled in everywhere, but you know. But uh, it is uh, about four something in the morning right now, and four thirty nine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's what we do to give you guys content. It's four thirty nine in the morning, but uh, gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Well, as always, you can give the podcast a listen, SoundCloud, YouTube iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us follows on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. 
that is all we have for you guys today. Always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.